Final installment of the Psycho Retrospective. It has been a long journey, and oddly enough, it was only three movies. But God, how many hours has it been? <laughs> two hours, two hours. Wow, yeah. Four, almost four and a half hours. How the hell did we talk about three movies for four and a half hours? Awesome start. Unfortunately, we have to um, end it on four. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, but we're still gonna dude, we're going the distance though. I'm clock I'm gonna clock in over an hour here. You watch. Yeah, it's not gonna end off on the greatest note, but then we'll wrap up the show. But here, before we even do this, let's just make a confession now. This is uh we're recording this intro after we recorded the exit of this show. And the reason is it's very simple. Uh you know, we were going to finish, we were only going to have two parts to the Psycho Retrospective, but as I was producing it, and I was dragging things in, and I saw where it clocked in, just reviewing Psycho 3 after the intro, and, you know, a couple bits we played, songs and stuff, it was at two hours already. So, I was like, that's plenty of time for one show. And if we put Psycho 4 in there, and then the remake stuff we did, that it would be like four hours or something. Yeah, one of the toughest parts of um, doing all this, bro, is not the um, you know the actual reviews and getting into stuff. It's uh, packaging, doing all that shit, you know, packaging, you know, fucking uh, teabagging and all that shit. So, yeah, man. Yeah. So the exit of this show was recorded to be the exit of the last show, but since I, we couldn't put them all into one show, we're just going to have to keep that exit. But yeah. uh, That's alright, though. Who cares? It's all good, man. So we might say stuff that's like a week outdated. Who cares? Who cares? I don't remember what I did yesterday, dude. I don't remember what I had for breakfast. Are you eating pizza? No, I'm eating... Uh, pizza, pizza, pizza. Remember that? Macaroni and cheese. Actually. Oh, dude, I had that for dinner, too. Wow. We are high class, Wow. Buddy. That's been happening a lot lately, even more, but we'll get into that. Yeah, on a different show, because right, right, right. nobody wants to hear about it in this one, but we will get in. We've had a lot of those things. Ugh. We just want to thank you guys. I mean, we've never had so much feedback on a retrospective ever. Mm. And I got really nice emails. People wrote a lot of nice things all over Facebook. You know, they even, like, posted just in their own thing on the wall instead of just putting it to the show's post. Because they really wanted to emphasize. So that's really nice. And uh, a lot of people like it. Even uh, people who have been listening forever think it was like our best show. The uh, the first one. And I didn't get feedback on the second for that person. But, uh, but I did get a really nice email. And they said, you better read this on the show because everyone deserves to know. Oh. So <clears throat> this is nice. This is from Rickety. I guess that's a playoff of... Maybe their name is Ricky or something. And, you know, like a rickety old bitch. (laughs) 
No? I don't know. Listen, I don't know these people. I'm just trying to guess. All right. Yacht. So, uh, <laughs> hey guys, been listening since day one, and I must say the Psycho shows might be your best stuff. The strange thing is, I thought your Texas Chainsaw retrospective was going to be your peak. Seems to have only been the beginning. With the Psycho retrospective and everything done prior, you have cemented yourselves as arguably the best horror podcast to date. Wow. Oh my god. Who wrote that? Is that crazy? Uh, really glad, uh, Rickety. Really glad, Rickety. Dude, that's awesome, man. Thank you. That's, yeah. wow, dude. That's, that's like the nicest thing. Uh, really glad because I knew there was something different about your show since day one. Hmm. See, so, see, that's weird. People have been listening since day one and stuff. That's That freaks me out because me and Dan talked about that. Like, you know, we went through that little weird lull period and things weren't that great. The show seemed to be kind of falling apart. And those people who, like, made it through those, it was only, like, two, though. Right. But still, I mean, making it through those and saying, eh, I don't know. It's not <laughs> like it was days of our lives. <laughs> As the world turns. They have a lot of bad shows in a row, so... Oh. Uh, and ours were just not that great, but there's one horrible. But, uh, you know, things looked like they were going wrong. And for those people who really stuck by and, you know, saw if we'd bounce back or not, that means everything, you know? Have you ever heard from Rickety before, or is this the first thing? Uh, No, I've never heard of that before. Wow. Well, then, I love that. I love coaxing the lurkers out. You know? Yeah. Listening since day one. How come? Talk to us. I you know. I love to interact with the listeners. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Say more stuff so we could make ourselves feel better about broadcasting it. <laughs> I, 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 I often like to touch my nipples. I just like to know who's out there, you know. I like to get to know people. What freaks me out is when I'm having conversations with people, they mention the show and something we said in it. I'm like, you listen? Yeah, right, dude? Oh, that'll never get old, bro. I love, this is, I love them so much because of them, I, like, because I can't remember anything. Like, I can, I was like, I don't remember what show it was that I said, blah, 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 and um, if I'm talking to a regular listener, they'll be like, oh, you said this on this show, and <laughs> I love them, because without them, I would be totally lost. <laughs> <laughs> happened to me, too. Yeah, dude. Yep. Yeah, we got some cool people like Dave have been going back. He's listening to the Jump the Shark Part 1, and he was asking about Texas Chainsaw 2, and uh, some he so, he agreed that Freddy 4 was horrible. I love that. You know, like, we don't ever want to go against the grain to be cool or whatever it is, but... When we truly believe in it, and it is against the grain, it's really cool to hear that other people are like, yeah, you know what, you're right. It really isn't that great. <laughs> and, and that wasn't that like the um, the culmination of our show. Like, I, uh, you know, I kind of like that movie, but you were just like, dude. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, dude, you're kind of right. It's definitely a shit movie. And then we got into, you know, I like it for nostalgic reasons and shit. But um, yeah, you're right. Well, this next review might be one of them because. So this uh, this show is also the third installment is uh, again sponsored by the Psycho Legacy, a DVD on all four Psycho movies. It's a documentary from Rob G. Pick it up at Amazon.com. He's been very supportive, posting our stuff all over the place. And we also want to thank the PsychoMovies.com for them. They are also doing that for us. They're posting um, <clears throat> tons of stuff on their Facebook and things like that. So. So many good... You see all over the place, people are saying such good things about 
the Psycho Legacy. Oh my God, Jane. I love it. I love just every time I see something pop up and they're like, oh, this is so good, you know. Jamie, you want to see something pop up? What? <laughs> we'll get my webcam going. I told you I saw that shit, right? Did I tell you? I watched it like two weeks ago. Did I tell you that? <laughs> a week ago? This isn't a joke. Don't laugh. I watched the Bates Motel. It was amazing. You must see it. When does it come? Just laughing. No, I know you're laughing, but hey, what's today? Dude, it comes out like in two days, right? Well, I'm going to be releasing oh, sorry. this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it comes out today. Somebody mentioned something. Uh, Jason mentioned he agreed with Jamie that that ice machine bit was stupid. I think Dan also thought it was stupid. And one of the things he said was that guy would have tasted the blood. And I beg to differ. I should have thought of this when uh, I, I said it to him. I should have thought of it when you guys said it. Um, he would not have tasted the blood if you put ice in your mouth and you're just rolling it around on your tongue, what you're actually doing is desensitizing your taste buds. Like, you could actually win contests of holding, like, Tabasco sauce in your mouth and things like that, or drinking really sour things and not making a face. If you put ice in your mouth for a little while, then you put that thing in, you don't really feel it. So, and you don't taste it. You're desensitizing. No, right. no, no. That could because you right away <laughs> before the ice had a chance to even do anything, you would taste it. Blood is very distinctive. And no, but the first few pieces was that blood on it. We don't know that for sure. So let's let's just go with my theory. Be quiet. <laughs> hey, Phil, but check All this right, out, you don't thanks. have to pull the chain so hard. No, uh, I'm kidding. Hey Dan, did a girl ever? Your d with ice cubes in her mouth? Yeah, dude, absolutely. <laughs> the, um, what were the, um, not Mentos, uh, what were the, uh, Altoids? Altoids, yeah, that ooh, old ooh, one. That ain't old for me. That's Dude, that's like 2001 shit. Man. Yeah, but hey. You're still rocking the Altoids. Hey, at least your dick's breath isn't bad. I didn't say I was rocking it, but oh, Lord, that was like my memories of a couple of us. <laughs> Alright, well, let's get to Psycho 4. You have to alternate ice. And then warm, like warm water, and then and then warm water. Oh, that's too much for me. I couldn't. Mm -mm. It. My penis would be confused. <laughs> What's going on? Huh? I don't get it. What? Huh? That's okay. I'll straighten it out. <laughs> Every time I put a condom on my dick, it's like, what are we robbing a fucking bank? Jesus Christ! <laughs> you watch the teller. I'll get the guy in the bed. But we didn't say this at the end of the show. I know this for a fact. Let's just make two quick announcements. Right. The next show we will be hitting on is, I know it's back-to-back -back retrospectives, but hey, what the hell? I think we have just turned into a retrospective show. Well, the next show after that will be a retrospective on our show. Ooh. It's the one-year anniversary, <laughs> folks. All right. Well, this will be Psycho 4, the end of the retrospective. Uh. So, everybody, the next show we have after this, I'm sure we touch on it somewhere at the end of the show, is... The Evil Dead retrospective, and almost immediately after that, we have the one-year show, which is going to be Ooh. the 50th show. Ooh. So the big 50, the big 5-0, the big one-year, and then after that, we finish off the retrospective with the new Evil Dead, and then we wrap it all up. All right, so call our voicemail, leave a message, be a part of the one-year show, 908-854-4500. It's posted under every single show. Sir. You should, uh... Not have any trouble finding that. So. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> We're looking I, for it. I, I was just there and I was like, fuck, Alex beat me. God damn it. Ha. 
<laughs> All right. So let's get to Psycho 4. Yeah, do we love it? Do we hate it? Do we cut it slack? Or do we want them to take it back? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho. She lays down on the fresh ground, she can make everything magical, but she died one Alfred Hitchcock created a film that is perhaps the most terrifying thriller of all time. Psycho. Now, come answer.
answers to the questions audiences have been asking for over 30 years. Psycho 4, The Beginning. This is Fran Ambrose on KTK, Talk of the Town. I call because the focus of your show tonight is what makes boys kill their mothers. Are you saying you killed your mother? I killed some other women, too. You want to tell us about your mother, uh, how she drove you to become what you became? She'd be sweet one moment, and then she'd suddenly turn mean. Don't you have any respect for the dead? How did it all start? What are you doing here? We're going to wake up your mother. Kill her. I can't, no. Then I'll do it for you. What makes Norman Bates kill? Look at yourself, boy. Ha, girl. Yes, girl. Oh. Mama's little girl. How'd you kill your mother? Slowly. Will this be the end? of Norman Bates. Oh, I've killed before. And now I'm going to have to do it again. Or is it only the beginning? Psycho 4, the beginning. Anthony Perkins stars with Olivia Hussey, CCH Pounder, and Henry Thomas as young Norman Bates. Psycho 4, the beginning on video cassette. Psycho 4. This movie came out November 10th, 1990, and it was a Showtime movie. Oh. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it's it's not even straight to freaking DVD or VHS. <laughs> this is straight to television, dude. Like, is that worse? What do you think? Yes. That's worse? Okay. And then at the same time, they killed everybody's dreams about whatever happened to Elliot when he would grow up. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. I mean, right. so I'm glad to see that. Uh, I mean, he doesn't do a lot, but Henry Thomas has been. Uh, he was in Dead Birds, which I thought he was really good in. I love that movie. And there's some other horror film he was in really recently, and I can't remember now what it was. But you know, he's been out there here and there. He's a great right. actor, man, and I thought he did a great job in this movie. Yeah. All right. Well. We got Anthony Perkins returning as Norman Bates for the last time. We have Henry Thomas, which you just mentioned, as the young Norman Bates. This is a prequel. We have Olivia Hussey from Black Christmas, which we've reviewed on blah, 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 show. With me! <laughs> with Jamie. Yeah. As Norma Bates, which I have an issue with right there. Mm-hmm. I don't like that name. I think that's ridiculous. Oh. But, okay, whatever. We have CCH Pounder. <laughs> as as it was like didn't didn't Mike say that's like a special hamburger at a like <laughs> Burger World or some shit? Uh, as Fran Ambrose, who's a who's just like us, she's a radio host. Wow. <laughs> and the I guess uh, the last guy I'll mention is Warren Frost as Doctor Leo Richmond. Uh, that is supposed to be the character at the end of Psycho. When he explained everything about Norman. Mm. That's supposed to be that guy. Mm -hmm. So, 1990. 
Okay, 1990 was a weird year in horror. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, not a, a weird decade, really. I don't even know what was going on in 1990, man. But I think, and I don't even know if it was 90. I think it was a couple of years later. But the only thing around that time that was like remotely good, I don't know. You tell me, Jamie. What do you think? I think for one, it was like Mute Witness was a good movie, um, but it just didn't really. I don't know. It was a reflection of the time, but around the 90s, dude, like early, early 90s, like you just said, 1990, 92, 92. Isn't that when horror went wrong? Oh, well, it's it's when horror became a bad word, and no one was making horror films for the theater. They were making thrillers, you know, so Silence of the Lambs and Seven, things like that. Um, Oh, you know what? You're so right, because it came out in 1990, and that was a TV miniseries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but so wow, look at that! It was it was a cool idea, but I thought as a movie it was kind of hokey, a little too hokey. But yeah, which one? It or Psycho Four? Yeah, it. It, dude, we're gonna do it one day. <laughs> oh, I, and I like it. I so like wait, it. I knew it. I knew I'd break you down eventually. A lot of that Stephen King, though, man. A lot of that Stephen King adaptations onto TV and film, bro. They were just fucking... Ah. You're wrong. I'm sorry. You're wrong, man. It was fucking great. No, dude. you're wrong, Colonel Sanders. It was great, Jamie. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, don't you dare get his... You point. know what did come out that year? Yeah. What? Um, Exorcist 3. And that is... Oh, I thought you were going to say Little Richard. <laughs> he came out with that. Um, Flatliners also came out that year, and The Guardian. Um, I really like Flatliners, but see, that falls into the thriller category because it's not really a horror film. But eh, I mean, yeah. I guess looking back, it wasn't Jacob's that. Ladder, same thing. Right. Well, we all know what defined it in the late ni- or mid '90s or whatever. But I, you know, it's it, it's looked back on as kind of a down period. And if you look at it compared to post Scream and then the '80s, which was obviously everything, fucking Freddy, Jay's, all that shit, it was weak compared to those from what it was surrounded by. You know what I'm saying? All right. So. All right. Well, let's get into it. So, what happens is basically the setup for this movie is. Fran Ambrose, who I love in the movie, I think great character, mm-hmm. is a radio host, like I said, and <sighs> God, all right, everything seems a little forced in this movie, and it's just I don't know. There's a lot of elements to the movie that's forced in a weird way, and one of them is that like she's doing a show on matricide like how many people do shows on that like i i could imagine <laughs> even interviewing a guy who like did it but like doing a, a two-hour show or three-hour show about guys who kill their moms like that's just strange right away in the day of like podcasting maybe now it's not that crazy but back yeah. then yeah yeah it's weird that's a weird topic like that's really forced to squeeze norman in here but you see i kind of appreciate it in a weird way it's like yep. it's like it's a prequel so what is norman gonna do sit there and talk to a psychiatrist about his his problems or let's take a different route and have him call into a show? I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I don't know what's better, but it, it's just it just seems weird. It just seems, like, strange. But I, you don't think about that when you watch it. You kind of take it for what it is. Like, I don't care. I, I, I'm i fine with it. But I love the whole radio aspect, dude. Yeah. And that's the only kind of salvation of this whole movie. And, uh, you know, 
Now, Dan, tell the truth. Is is Fran better than uh, is Fran better than Jamie or no? I mean, come on, dude. With those boobs, no, nobody beats Jamie Jenkins. <laughs> come on. Okay. Get with I was it. Gonna say. Unless unless Fran did a video podcast, then maybe she'd top Jamie off. Ah, uh, you know. Oh, oh, I don't know, look at you going for the jugular. <laughs> I just want to say that thank you for donating to my site. <laughs> Jamie would have to elevate her game, which um, she's proven time and time again that she can do that. So I ain't stressed. How about you, Jamie? How about not you? One, not one bit. Okay. Here's another weird forced aspect to the movie. It's like Norman's birthday. It's, uh... He's I guess married. It's, yeah, he's mad. Here's the thing. Okay, let's start from part three. I'd be so pissed if I had to go get my own cake. <laughs> and cook his own dinner. Yeah, yeah right. dude. Like, it's your birthday, man. Shit. Yeah, Jesus, sweetie, take off at night. <laughs> like, go get your own cake. It's like, my life sucks. Even though I got alive birds, my life sucks. All right, but guys, let's go back to part three for this. All right. The the cop said to Norman, Norman, I trusted you. You'll never get out again. Just like we just got done playing that clip. Mm-hmm. We just played that clip. So, he'll never get out again. He killed how many people in part three, straight up, and suddenly he's just, okay, it's all cool. He's back out. Yeah. And he doesn't look much older. I mean, they didn't gray him up or anything. Yeah, what the fuck? How is, how is he out living <laughs> in a freaking mansion? And it's like, everything's cool. And some broad married this dude. Right. And he couldn't even bang Maureen. And now he's marrying this chick, knocking her up. And it's like... I don't know, man. It just seems like the the character is just inconsistent to me on every level. It just seems crazy forced. Well, you're right. And you said it, bro. Forced. Forced is the word. Everything. You know, when, I, when we were preparing to talk about this movie and, you know, I noticed that it was directed by Mick Garris, which... Is that normally good? Well, yes. Hocus Pocus, man. He's a good. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. Yeah, I do like him. I like him, and you know, you can find him. He's behind things like um, Masters of Horror yep. and, and yep. Fear Itself, and um, he's and, a yeah. big player. He's a good guy. Yeah, yep. he is. And so I was like, all right, yeah, that should be. But then I was right. like, well, this is obviously fairly early on in his career, and. Um, not very good. I mean, just there are those <laughs> there are those scenes where Alex Alex, sorry, baby, I have you on the brain. Ah! There, are those, Ooh. there are those scenes. Psycho. There are those scenes where Alex. What the fuck? Wow, dude. <laughs> there are these scenes where Norman is looking directly at the camera, and he's got these wide eyes. I mean, like they always do these crazy close-ups where he's like, his eyes are like blah. Yeah, while he's. I agree with that, and I just want to think. I just want to say that is so cool that you confuse me and him. That is like right? such an honor. Yeah, I mean, that is the best person to be confused with. Yeah, yeah. for me. I didn't have you on the brain, and so there. No, I think I don't think that's it. I think it was all that stuff I said about part three. I think you think I'm insane. <laughs> sure. That's all right though. Okay, you're good. And he's done a lot of. Stephen King adaptations, Desperation, Riding the Bullet, Bag of Bones. Um, uh, Bag of Bones, sadly, was not very good. I, I was right. 
disappointed in that. He also did Masters of, he did a couple of episodes of Masters of Horror that he directed, Valerie on the Stairs, which I don't like. That's, that's one of the episodes that I don't like at all. And Chocolate, which, uh, I actually don't remember that one. But then, so then I was like, well, damn, he, maybe he's not as good as I thought he was. <laughs> yeah, right? You just saw the good stuff before. Like, oh, that, I mean, he's definitely a fan. He's definitely a good guy. And he's, yeah. he, he did the 97 version of The Shining, which I really right. did like. I love that, Jamie. Yeah, and The Stand. Yeah. Oh, he did The Stand? Oh, and Steve Walker. Wow. Like, and, yeah, I mean, so he has some some interesting stuff out there, but it's kind of, he's kind of hit or miss. But this is, right. you know, rather early on and not good. Oh. You don't like the directing. Directing, there are some really bizarre choices in this. As a matter of fact, I was watching this with a friend of mine last night, and I said, and I was like, God, this movie's so bad. And she's like, Yeah, it is. And I'm like, But I said, But this is what I want you to do. I was like, I want you to sit down and watch it. Like, I want you to watch this because what's really bad about this are some of the directorial choices. I mean, like, what in the hell was he doing? Is what I have to say sometimes. Do you know what scenes like? Do you have anything in particular? Mostly, it was any time Norman was on the phone, which was pretty much the entire damn movie. Right. He was on the phone. It's like I said with those weird, those weird close-ups that he would do. But what about the cool scene when he was like laying on the floor as a kid, and then he laid on the floor as an adult? And the phone is like on the floor next to him. I think he regressed, um, like while he was. Having that conversation, I think he... Um, oh, so you, you buy into that part then. Okay, so what direct, directing do you not like then? I just, I just... I mean, I don't know. I don't really have anything other than, like I said, the weird close-ups. It's just... Just watch it. It's weird looking. It, the whole thing is just mm. bizarre. And, I mean, I mean, it's just... Um, the lighting <clears throat> is weird in places. The Some of the things that he... That these characters do are so forced i mean like he it, they tried so difficult i mean t- so difficult they tried so hard to make a connection between the original psycho and this right. psycho. They, how many times was he going to use the word inordinately i know you know <laughs> and i'm like yeah. okay she said that one time in the original movie so now it's his catchphrase and yeah, he's got right? it like three times not inordinately not in i get and, it you know and you know, a boy's best friend is his mother. He says that shit again, too, you know? It was a, every time he turned around, it was a callback to something from the first one. And it was it was just too in your face about it. And it wasn't necessary. We know who he is. We've all seen the first one. If you've seen, if you're watching this piece of crap, you've seen the first one. Right. So, you know, you know the story. Um, also, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I wasn't really, I like Olivia Hussey a lot. Like, I, I've always liked her as an Uh-oh. You don't like her? I do like her. And here, and here, I mean. No, I do like her in here, and I actually think she does a pretty good job of the voice. You know. Um, yeah. Well, you know, this was actually the, supposedly the first movie without that classic, uh, the lady playing the mom's voice, because supposedly it was Olivia Hussey. But you know what? There are there are also scenes when it's like old mother, and I I, I can't I don't understand who's playing that part, but whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, I also feel like the sex angle on this was the like just. Too much. Dude. It seems contrived. The whole thing seemed contrived. Right. The whole thing, yeah, like you said, forced, contrived, all that shit. It was just words, 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 words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, we talked about Cisco and Ebert, how they talked about um, Psycho Three, and they actually liked it. I think 
<clears throat> I think it was the same guys at this point after this one they said good night Norman <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, and I, even he didn't feel sincere to me like I felt like he was phoning it in like no pun intended literally <laughs> um I, I really didn't feel like he was there you know not isn't that weird he phoned it in on a movie where he phoned it in. Phoned it in, yeah. And he didn't I mean, <laughs> feel that he wasn't feeling his own character? I thought his character was okay. See, I, I know what you mean about those shots and stuff, but I think he did an okay job. Yeah, you could tell that he wasn't really a part of it, but dude, I mean, okay, yeah, you're shooting a movie and you gotta fucking be on the phone the whole time. That's hard <laughs> acting right there. I'm sorry, like, you're talking to nobody, you know? I mean, I was probably talking to somebody, but... You have nobody to interact with, dude? I mean, it's a hard gig. I fucking hate this movie, though. It sucks, dude. Really? Does, everything yeah. about it, dude. All right, you know what? I have just checked out on Mick Garris permanently. He was one of the writers on The Fly 2. I have nothing more to do with him. Well, he wrote this movie? Just wrote him no, off? He directed this movie. But um, yeah. I The Fly 2 is... One well, of the most horrific films I, I've ever seen. Like it, it, it just it is awful. Like see, the, the whole dog thing, I can't do it. Yeah, but I think I mean Mick Harris is a director, dude. I don't know if he wrote the Fly Two or whatever, but he directed this, right? I don't. Did yeah, he write he did. this or? No, he directed. Okay, so a lot goes to the. I mean, <laughs> I say credit, but a lot goes to the discredit of the fucking writers, man. I mean, now, in the end, the director is the one who. True. Wait, wait, real quick. You know who wrote this? The guy who wrote Psycho One. Fuck me, running really? The guy Joseph Stefano. Oh okay. wow. Yeah, he took Psycho One. You know, Psycho was based on a, a novel. Oh God. As you know, in the movie Hitchcock's, uh, he actually bought every copy. I don't know if that's true, but he bought every copy of Psycho out of the stores. Was that the guy? Oh, that was that character in the movie, that guy? Yeah. Kind of madman-looking guy? Yeah. yeah. And he oh. he took that and he you know turned it into a movie form. So huh. that's – dude, the and here's the thing that doesn't make any sense about this. That same guy wrote this, yet there are inconsistencies up the ass – like, right. things make no sense in this movie at all. That's why I was so shocked. What were some of them? Like, the Strict Nine, the first two, it's in canister form, right? right? Because he reaches up for that can, it's like a powder, and then even when he kills um, Spool, it was in that can, and then suddenly it's in a liquid form in this movie. Even it's like a syrup. But no, that just might be movie consistencies, actually. But right. no, there were there are actual real ones too. Okay, here's one. Here's one. Yeah. Okay, didn't someone allude to someone killing his father? And in this movie, he's dead by bee stings. Like, <laughs> like who? Like who the fuck killed this guy? Uh, uh, Angela Baker. Like, eh. she, did somebody dr drop a beehive while he was taking a shit or something? Like, I don't understand how he dies of. Bee stings, yet he was killed in all the other movies. What is this, a fucking Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. What is wrong with you people? Dude, they said he got stung in his eyes. <laughs> like, Yeah, oh, come on. Now, automatically, guys, didn't you think, okay, they're going to fucking flashback to the crazy mother, like, throwing a beehive or something at this dude? Yeah. Nothing, dude. Nothing. Threw a beehive at his face. Dude, why? Why even do that? Why give even give that description? 
it's so random. It's like, what the fuck was that about? And then, and then the, another forced fucking scene when he's in the coffin and the fan has been there the entire time. <laughs> yet, for the movie, it, it's gonna blow the thing oh. off for that you know off his face for that one second so we could look at it and everyone's like oh and and i don't even get the whole thing where she's tickling him and then he reacts and she yells at him like i don't even <sighs> get that man oh she's crazy like come right. on dude awkward dude it was fucking awkward and you know i know some people look at it like well it's art you know fucking it's not always a good time blah 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 whatever mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't like that shit, dude. I know what the, you know, if they have a message to get to, yeah. But I don't even think that conveyed her as crazy. She was bipolar. Yeah, it was just weird. She was like, hey, 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 oh, you got a boner slap. It's like, what the fuck was that, you crazy Yeah, bitch? you know what, yeah, you're right. Okay, let's get into the movie a little bit. We. I just hate this shit. Hate, hate, hate. Hate yeah, it. You hate. just want to hurry up and jump on this. Right? Okay, so Norman's, you know, it's a prequel. He's basically saying, you know, I killed my mother, and I killed other people, too, and I'm going to kill again. Like, right there, you trace the call, but okay. Norman's first kill is the girl, the first girl who ever wanted to have sex with him. She gets no backstory either, bro. Like, where'd she come from? Like, I know, it's, it's, it's like she knows him, but then she doesn't know him, but <laughs> right. then she kind of knows him, but she doesn't know him, and she I'm like, him, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what kind of girl do you think I am? Right. Well, the kind of girl who is going to have sex with this guy that she kind of like, doesn't really know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... Now, Darren, would you bang her, though? She's pretty hot, dude. Oh, she was wicked. Yeah, no, I'd definitely bang her, for sure. For sure. But I did not enjoy this film. I mean... This was the one you didn't like. It, right. and, you know, and that's the thing about directing. I thought it was okay. Everything was shot well, and I No, thought, it wasn't. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Yo. Even from an innocent eye, the whole movie's kind of good. But once you, like... No, it's not. No, I know people who like this. It's not horrible, dude. It's that just means they're wrong. <laughs> I don't hate it though, Jamie. Like I, I don't I really, understand how. Until I was gonna do this show, I didn't particularly put much thought into it, honestly. Can I? But, I mean, you love Norman Bates. I mean, he's right. like you. You love this guy. Right. How can you stand to see him treated this way? I'm a little shocked myself, Jamie and Alex. To be honest with you. I, I guess maybe my love is the thing that puts me through the this kind of thing, you know? Like, uh-huh. you just try to accept it for what it is, and it's like, <laughs> well, you know, I guess it's, he's calling in a show and uh, just talking about his past. I think the only thing I had a problem with were the inconsistencies and stuff, but we'll, we'll get into that. So, But, you know, it was cool to see, like, the... Well, that's another thing, too. How the fuck long did it take that doctor to put together who the hell he was talking to? When he just got finished saying, I he went through that whole thing like, oh, 30 years ago I had a case of matricide. Where, and he like explained <laughs> the whole thing. And then five minutes later, the dude's on the phone and he's like, hmm. Like, how do you not know? Okay, if you were around him, you wouldn't recognize that voice if, at the very least. I know it had been 30 years, but come on. Something right. like that happens, you're going to remember that shit. What a and coincidence, And it takes him too. through the entire fucking movie to figure it out. Right. Ridiculous. But there's a lot of things that make no sense. Like, even with the girl who's going to have sex with him, why why have sex in the mansion? you got 12 fucking rooms in the motel. Yes. And mother is in there. And a parlor. 
Yeah, and you and and she he says my mother's there. Why would you go into that? Even if my mom was alive, which she assumed, why? That's definitely a reason not to go in. It just makes no sense why she even went in there. You know, that is just it's everything is forced. It's really like dumb with that kind of stuff. We knew that the first murder was going to be a major set piece. We didn't want it to be like the shower scene. I wanted it to be colorful and shocking, literally colorful. I wanted the scarlet to, to be quite present. Um, and a long build-up, the whole, and a sense of visual exaggeration. You know, the colors, it's, it's sexuality, it's a thwarted orgasm, is what that murder was intended to be. The spurting blood, because he's not capable of making love and and emitting the proper fluids <laughs> at, at the conclusion of that act. Wow. So this was intended to be an act of sexuality, repressed sexuality taken out, instead in an act of destruction rather than creation. So I hope that doesn't sound too pretentious. No. And I didn't talk about that with many of the people involved in it, but that was the intent. Even down to the look, you guys, what do you guys think about that? Because that was the one thing that I noticed, man, was... um. They obviously went for, like, the new look for the fucking house and then the motor. Yeah, it was all painted nice. Yeah. Oh, dude, it drive me, it drove me bonkers. It, you don't like it? I hated it, dude. Yeah, I, I, don't, I never, ever, ever, ever pictured that house yeah. like that. And right. it's like, it, it just, like, I get that it was supposed to be years before and it had what, fallen 20? into disrepair by the time we got to it. Bullshit, though. You know years? that it um, bullshit that it went that far down after that long and and right. when the hell is it yellow? Exactly. No, Jamie, he killed his mom at twelve. He was about sixteen, seventeen, so five years. Yeah, it, it became dilapidated. Exactly. Nicholas. It yeah. And suddenly, it's like a Thomas Kincaid house. It's all yellow and right. pinky and, <laughs> and Yeah. Yeah, I guess it doesn't work. You're right. It doesn't work. Well, what about this, though? What do you think about, like, when the girl walks in the bedroom and, like, you see mother in bed? And what do you think about this? Obviously, it was a real person. She was moving. Did you notice that she was slightly moving? No. Yeah, she was moving. If you watch the girl walk up to that bed where mother's laying. I'll take your word for it because I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I know, right? She's actually, you can see her moving. It's a real person until they actually show her as a corpse. I'm not shocked by that. I mean, I could see them purposefully doing that, but that's just... Well, and that's another thing that irritates me, though, too, is them trying to... Like, they're... Like, the part where he goes in talking to her, and they're not showing her... Like, they're going to surprise us with the fact that she's a corpse. We know! (laughs) Well, no! See, I didn't know at that point, because you didn't know at what point in the narrative they were at. Oh, you knew. Yeah, you can tell but I mean, okay, who's gonna walk into a room and start talking to someone and she's like, Get that whore out of my house yet she's not gonna turn and face him. She's not yeah. gonna even like gesture. She's nothing. I mean, she doesn't do anything. She just lays there and then she's like, Come around here like and he goes around her side of the bed. That was totally unnatural. Ugh. Yeah. I think they try to throw us off by what I said, that having a real actress in the bed and moving. Yeah. And then it would I think that's where the shock was supposed to come in because yeah, that's what I caught on to, so I think we were all supposed to. And um, that 
of course she's dead. I guess that was supposed to throw us off, you know? It was just very, it was very forced, like we talked about right. how how Norman came down the stairs so quick in part one, when you see Mother walking in the bedroom and she beeps the horn, it was, they're really trying to lead you other places, just like in part two, when uh, Mary had the gun going around the house, that was supposed to make us think, there's no way it's her mom, you know? Uh, who's a, so, there's a, you know, they really lead you in these movies, but this had to be the worst of all of them. And it's it's not like oh my god this is a horrible fucking movie but no nah, it pretty much is well exactly well that's <laughs> that's the whole thing though to us it is because we've all pretty much felt you know pretty much the same about all the sequels and shit so this one is definitely the worst out of all of them and like I said it's not like oh my god this is an abomination you know. I don't know. There was just certain things, like you said. I, 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 dude, I hate to fucking dog on your style again, shit. But it's like that shit is just so fucking forced. And you know, me and Alex were talking about this briefly, and I promise I'm not gonna fucking spoil a goddamn thing for anybody. But the Bates Motel, the way they do things, and you know, it's a whole different arena, TV, blah blah blah, so so on and so forth. But it's almost like okay, this is how you do it well. And then this is a forced version where we're going to make scenes that, you know, try to exemplify big moments in their lives. But if you try and do it in one scene, it's not going to work. The whole dual thing with mother, you know, like we just said, with her fucking bugging out on him after and stuff like that. It's like, to me, like you just said, I, I can't, <laughs> I'm stuck on that fucking word. I'm not even going to say it, but it just seems way too exactly so it's it's you know it's just one of those things where it's a movie and it's for what it is i guess it's okay i i don't like it though knowing what i know now in 2013 and seeing how a prequel can be even done very well you know with the bates motel dude they nailed it with that shit and they didn't fuck up the house at all either you know there's just little things like that but they tried with this. It's a prequel, definitely. And I guess they were trying to maybe bank on the fact that it was a prequel. And that's all. And they really didn't think too much into it. I think that's what's detrimental to this film overall. You know what I mean? And um, to me, it just it never paid off. I don't like the juxtaposition of Norman's new life versus his old life. because, I, and, and I understand why they're going to put him in this really modern house with all the contemporary appointments and you know in the kitchen and it's going to be bright and it's going to be cheerful and it's going to have live birds versus the dead birds and they're right. gonna, you know right. i get it but it doesn't seem right to me you know mm -hmm. it just doesn't it it doesn't fit well you know actually i made a mistake earlier too what i said before about you know the beehive thing i was just thinking as you were talking the uh in part three when tracy venable was explaining to norman like all this stuff you know like uh she was jealous norman because she was having an affair with your father and she and her sister got pregnant with a baby that she should have had with him mm -hmm. and in a jealous rage she killed norman's father okay yet it was bee stings mm -hmm. hmm. interesting she is is angela baker okay so I was just thinking about that as you were saying that, but um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, what do you guys think about the incest angle? I mean, hated it. Rubbing the orange water on her body and so weird, dude. 
It was such a good, real way to show how this guy got so messed up and didn't understand reality. I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, like, here's this character who's at this very impressionable age when you're first starting to learn about women, and your mother won't let you look at any other woman, won't let you talk to any other women. Everything's got to be with her. And all of his first sexual experiences were basically with his own mother, but if he looked at them as sexual experiences, he was punished for it. She raised Norman very awkwardly. You, you don't punish a boy by putting him in a dress. You don't taunt him and have him pat rose water on you and uh, then roll on the floor with you. And uh, when he gets an erection, uh, get furious with him and lock him in a closet, literally in a closet, in a dress. Actually, out of the whole film, the closet thing and the rolling on the floor to me was the most upsetting because I have two boys of my own, you know, and I could not imagine ever treating my kids that way. So that was a really hard scene for me to shoot, being a mom. It was very difficult and I had to keep saying to Henry, I'm really sorry, I'm nothing like this. Now let's get on and do this. You know, let's, you know, it was, it was a tough, that was the hardest scene I think for me to, to shoot. His relationship with his mother and just the kind of skewed view of uh, morality and what was good and what was bad and ethically, like how he had been treated, it definitely shaped him. Would that drive someone to physical violence without having a, a, a proclivity that maybe they were born with in their brain, their synapses, how they were? I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. Uh, you know, I had a script to work with that I thought worked really well. There's a lot of sexual stuff, dude. You're, like when when she finds the supposed porno mag, which is really just like girls drawn on a page with them wearing lingerie and shit, and she's flipping out about that. Yeah, man, that's what this movie is, though. It's like all about sexual repressi- repression, uh, you know, and that translates into fucking <laughs> knife and. Yeah, it's all sexual repression. It's weird. It's almost the Michael Myers syndrome. They're but- trying to give. They're trying to create a backstory. There's no way Norman could just be crazy. Right. It has to be a reason, you know, and it, they're going to choose sex because he looks at girls, mother becomes jealous, turns he turns into mother, and she kills them. And then, and then you know, they tried to throw in the whole angle where, oh, you know, I'm going to kill again, me, you know, just like the first time. And it's like... I yeah, that that's weird. It's man. just that, dude, Norman has never been like that. And for the no, time, and that's the whole point. Like, and Norman fuck. didn't kill any of these women. That's what I mean, Norman right. as Norman. And right. throughout this entire thing, he's like, oh, I've killed other people too. And I've killed mm-hmm. you. And I've, and that's bullshit. That's not who he was. He's kind of bragging yeah. about it. He should, yeah. Like, uh, he's not even the remorseful guy that. Not crazy. The only you could argue was that his doctors convinced him that, Norman, you're the one who killed those people, not Mother. He could have been aware of it. Yeah, no, he could definitely at this point be aware of it. But at the same time, he, A, shouldn't be bragging about it. That's right. not him. And then second of all, be like, oh, I'm going to kill just like the first time. Dude, come on, man. That's whole Norman Bates fucking Mother dynamic, yo. Yeah. And and the whole reason he's going to kill again, because he knocked up his wife, yeah. and he doesn't want his genetics in another human being because they will run around killing people? I, I don't know, man. That sounds like... All right, guys, what do we do here? All right, Norman's married. Scramble. 
he's going to kill her because she's pregnant and he doesn't want the baby to kill. Dude, that is great. Let me take it to the executives right now. You know, like, that's just what that seems like. Like, it's not thought out, man. And then it'll be like, oh, my God, will we kill her or won't he? And, th- and that'll be the big, you know, that's the big reveal. It's like, fuck you, dude. This is so fucking forced and just phoned in. Jamie said it. Yo. Or did you say it? I don't know, no, I said it. it, it, it uh, we all made that pun. And and you're right. This It's very lazy writing, right? It, it is extremely lazy. In the very end when he's like, you know, oh, I mean, everything's all nice, nicely wrapped up neatly. He's about, he's on the verge of killing her. And she's like, no, no, you know, uh, our baby, yeah. our, you, know, and, you know, basically we can be happy. And then he's like, oh, happy. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It didn't make any sense. I didn't give a damn. By the time we got there, I was just so ready for it to be over that Mm. I I, I didn't really care. Yeah, I'm telling you. Jamie, there are some great scenes, though. What about, like, when he's a a little boy and he's laying on that that uh, thing that they laid out and the rain comes and the mom holds him and she kind of spins him around? I hate that scene. Really? I actually do Why? like that scene. I like that scene. What the but fuck is that scene there for? It shows like, because dude. No. there were some no. tender moments. No. There were some good Exactly. Moments. It really ties in. Dude, it ties into the part two when he's like, my mother did a, lice, a lot of nice things for me. Like she made toasted cheese sandwiches. No, I'll tell you why you're wrong, Alex. Because if they were trying to show connectivity, they would have shown Henry Thomas do it. And I hate to keep referring back to the Bates Motel here, but they show connectivity between mother and son. Therefore, when mother goes crazy and Norman reacts the way he does, there's significance behind it, okay? When they show scenes like that, what are they showing? Oh, mommy loves you? And that's supposed to translate how? It's bullshit, dude. If you want to show something, show me something. I mean, yeah, the whole time he was a teenager, she treated him like absolute shit. And it made no sense, dude. Her outburst made really... I mean, yeah, okay, technically they made sense. But you know what, dude? If you want to break something down, you have to build it up first. You have to show that this is a family, you know? And as as dysfunctional as families can be, they, they show nothing. Why was he so upset about another man coming into that life? He fucking hated her that entire period of his life. So what's the big deal if some asshole moves in? Thank you. It would be better if he had a stronger relationship with Mother at that point. Then some asshole moves in. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, and then things go downhill. Then she starts saying, I get the fuck out of here. You know, then there's a problem. Yep. You're right. I mean, if if the last glimpse of connectivity or or closeness they had was what he was like freaking eight years old or whatever like whatever that was supposed to be right um wait a minute though holy shit this doesn't make any sense wow another inconsistency how old do you think henry thomas was at the point where she met this dude and, um, and and when he killed them, he was not twelve years old. No, he was like, eh, well, could he be twelve at that point? No, I mean, eh, you could. I, I saying he's thirteen would be. Dude, awesome. I looked like I was five when I was twelve, man. <laughs> I didn't look like Henry Thomas, man. I I looked young as shit. He looked he looked older than twelve. Uh, <clears throat> so. I mean, we can get to the parts where, like, he's rolling around on the floor and he gets a heart on. And and how could you blame him for that? I mean, his mom's kind of hot. 
you know the first person that a kid uh looks to with that kind of stuff is his mom you know that right oh absolutely dude fucking you know that's fact too but that's what's fucked up about this movie too man they had something to say about that they could have taken it so many different places man where i'm no writer but shit dude i can think of some better scenarios where it could lead to him fucking going psycho and killing his mom and shit like that and the whole thing the whole dynamic just, um, I, you know, I hate to sit here and rag on this movie for fucking an hour or whatever the fuck we're doing this for, but it's like, I just didn't feel it, dude, you know, and in the context of the whole Psycho fucking series, it just didn't measure up, you know? Hmm. So you would suggest people stop at three? <clears throat> oh, absolutely, dude. Two and three are great fucking movies, you know? And, uh, you know, the remake has nothing to offer, so fuck that shit. But, you know, I am somewhat biased, you guys, you know? I, I, I've I seen what they can do as far as doing it with TV, you know? And I know this is, we're going to release this about the same time, so I don't know if it's out yet, so I'm not going to say anything about it. But, you know, I said something about es- uh, establishing relationships. It's so key. And TV has an upper hand on that just because of the longevity. Yeah, they have length to of do course. it. Yes. But at the same time, bro, it's, I mean, it's fucking movies, dude. That movies have been around longer than fucking TV shows, and they've been doing it very well. So they could have easily established a relationship and then said, oh, shit, this is where it went wrong. Yeah, you know, I'm actually, yeah, you're right. You don't even know where it went wrong when you think about it. Uh, I mean, you know what? One could argue it went wrong when uh, the highway was being shut down and they're building a new highway. Isn't that the first time? Or no, he already kind of they saw the porno. No, he already had the hard on. Uh, dude, I'm so mixed up. I don't know. But the, the point is, things are great until he has a hard on. I mean, come on. She obviously has, you know, weird sexual hangups. And um, you can see after that when he like, or is it after that or is it? Oh, it's when he's in the bed with her, and he like gets out of bed and runs to his room and gets under the covers. And she yeah, but at that point, she doesn't know why he's doing that though. He should- and then, but then she—that's when she finds the which it wasn't even porn; it was a freaking catalog, you know. So she's drawn. Those aren't even real people; they were cartoons of girls in yeah. clothes. She They're finds like the catalog ads. that he's been rubbing one out to, and then she gets pissed <laughs> off about it. But but it's jealousy. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that it's straight up jealousy right there. Why do you need to look at them? I'm right here. That's what, that's exactly what's going on. You know, this is. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing. She has no true sexual interest. If that's, if that was the case, when he got a heart on, she'd be like, hey, you up for something here? Like, you know, she would have been into it. She thinks that sex is dirty and evil. You know? But no, I don't buy that, Jamie. She's right. fucking rolling around in bed with this asshole. But I mean, that's what she's telling him, you know. You know yeah, but it's not consistent. No, it's I not. think she's bipolar. If you're going to go by their logic, she's probably bipolar where she has those impulses, but then she's like, oh my God, what the fuck? You know, and she takes it out on him. Yeah, but dude, it's just, I don't care. It's not consistent. You cannot be so anti-sex and have all, all these hang-ups, yet... The Norman's peeping through a hole, and you're rolling around in bed, and you're freaking banging this guy, and it's the greatest thing, and he's talking sex in front of your son, and it's all cool. Like, you know, uh, he made some joke in the kitchen, like, uh, the only time you do something with a girl is after sex or something like that, you know. Like, whatever that horrible joke was from that lazy-eyed bastard. I don't even know what it was, but... You two say hello to each other. Hi there, Normie. You take my father's robe off. No underwear. 
You see, Norman, you only want to be naked around a lady when you're having sex with her. Any other time, it just ain't respectful. <laughs> Good toast. It, it just it wasn't consistent, but I don't think that she's you know mapping out what she's gonna tell him like oh I'm gonna tell him girls are like this you know she's crazy, but she's going to tell him girls are evil girls are bad sex is bad. Guess what my mother did because she doesn't want him going out and having it with anyone else. Anyone else? But you're implying that she wants it with her though. Um, I mean, no, I don't know. I don't know that it would ever get huh. to a physical point with their relationship, but there's definitely something, there's an unnatural... Like a boy's thing. best friend is his mother type deal. Right, right, right. But, so, yeah, no other girl in any other form is, is necessary, yeah. And you were talking about that douchebag, too, Alex, the boyfriend there. Yeah, <laughs> oh, God, what a douche. And say, let's not forget this character was based on Ed Gein, and that's exactly what his mother would tell him. You know, women stay away from women; they're evil. Actually, he did. She did tell him, I think, at one point that it was okay to go out with fat women <laughs> because fat women will treat you right. <laughs> well, they'll feed you right. <laughs> um, but it was because you're not going to want to eat out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but how much of a douchebag was the boyfriend, though, when she's like, um, oh, my God, you know, she's like, my throat is dry. I can hardly swallow. And they go, oh, we can't have that now, can we? Like, <laughs> yeah, what is that? this guy? It was this guy Duke or something? You're like, what is this guy on the skeleton crew? Like, come on, <laughs> man. Like, dude, is he on the show? Wait, look to your left. No, he's not around. I don't he's see this douchebag. He's not in the man. dungeon, dude. I mean, Jamie's strapped here. She ain't going nowhere. We told her from day one, bitch, you ain't going nowhere. And I ain't she going nowhere. She doesn't seem to have a problem, but no, Stop dude. Syndrome, I told you. Yeah. And that was funny, but at the same time, dude, it felt so out of place in the context of this fucking movie. Like, what the fuck's going on? There are, there's a little bit of subtext in the movie, because when you think about it, yeah. this guy moved into Norma's house, you know, the mansion and everything, and in this movie, Norman moved into his wife's house like if you think about it because remember he said it's from a it's from a divorce like there's a lot of subtext about women having the power mm -hmm. you know and, and kind of like that and and norman you know the women issues well i mean look at it she's at work where is he he's at home making his own birthday dinner making his own birthday cake um looking at birds you know <laughs> and, yeah with birds i mean the <laughs> <laughs> you fucking weirdo <laughs> it's, it, but she's the one who's in the office. You know? Right, yeah, she's the man of the house. Like, the, like, uh, yeah, what's Norman do all day? Who the hell knows? I mean, it sort of seemed like it was nighttime. It was actually like she was on second shift. I mean, he could have been at work. I don't know what he does, but... Yeah. I mean, what kind of qualifications do you have for murdering 15 people? I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, so I guess the only other, like, kind of segment in this is, like, he, they show the kill where... Uh, Norman kills the older chick who he was kind of hooking up with. That was kind of weird. Like, she was, like, 30-something years old, and he was, like, 12. I was going to ask how old you thought she was. 30-something. Like, 34, maybe. And he was, like, supposedly 12. 
So we're, we're talking 22 years difference. And when you're 12, that's a big freaking deal. Uh, and But how, how brutal was that, though? He, like, chokes chokes this bitch out, then kind of throws her in the trunk, and then goes to drown her, and she's, like, banging in the trunk, dude. Oh, like, dude, I'm sorry, man. That'd be ruthless, a uh, ruthless death. Wait, he wasn't 12 then. Wasn't he? He had to. Couldn't have been. Oh, wait. Yeah, was mom dead? But but he looked exactly like he looked when he killed his parents. Exactly. Or, or whatever. Right. So I'm saying, like, I don't know. You're yeah. right. She might have been dead. You're right at that point. I don't know. But it looks like the same. Wasn't that death ruthless, though, guys? Like, can you imagine being in a trunk and the fucking cars going underwater? Oh like, holy God. fucking shit, dude. That's and, crazy shit. Yeah. And I don't know. It was just that whole kill, though, was weird, man. Um, when she heard, yeah, she hears mother from up in the house talking, like like Norman's mother, like Norman, ma, 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 Maybe ma. She, no, I can't imagine that mom was alive at that point. No, but that, no, she was she was clearly dead. But I'm just saying because okay, but he, she still heard it. Yeah, it's I don't in know. that crazy voice, so that was obviously Norman's head. But then Norman's in the back seat, you know, dressed as mother or whatever. But she's clearly looking at the house when it happens. Did you guys catch that? It's like. Like she hears uh, mother, like kind of like the first one or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 like, yeah. They're trying. Yeah, like Jamie said, they're really trying to recreate that first movie, man. So I was like, "What the fuck, dude?" And I know, guys, I'm not the most well-spoken, smartest person, but goddamn, dude, like I picked up on that. Oh, dude. Jamie. Also, like you said, with the inordinately bullshit. Like, what about me and my trusty umbrella? He did that. Again? Yes, ah. yes. <laughs> I caught that too. Yeah, like get out of here. And so. I think, I guess, after that kill, I think the next thing... Uh, by the way, let, realistically, another, like, force thing, like, Norman's, what, 50-something at this point? 50... And you gotta imagine, if he was 50... Uh, okay, let's say, they said he was... Tw he was 22, supposedly, not 28, like we said, because he was really 28 in real life, Anthony Perkins. But Norman was 22 when Part 1 took place, so now... He's 44 when part two and three sort of take place. So now, I guess we're going to say he's around 50. I mean, how quickly do you get out of a institution after killing people again? You don't, and that's what I can't... It, it, it doesn't make any damn sense. There's absolutely no explanation or transition between him you know, going on a murdering spree in the last episode episode in the last sequel right. to now being married and living in suburbia right. what the hell just waltzing around like no big deal but here's the thing about it his wife was like 50 uh how is she pregnant doesn't menopause kind of kick in at that point <laughs> uh, typically before then yes okay so that again this makes but it's no not, sense it's not uncommon right it is plausible technically but yeah uh, but in a movie of of forced of forced <laughs> bullshit i'm gonna call bullshit exactly and i will call, okay. i mean come on there's yep. just too much yeah, mm -hmm. too much license they're taking here yeah 
they're not going to break precedent and say, well, women can't be pregnant at that age. They're just going to force that too. And guys, can I tell my Anthony Perkins story again? I told it on a previous story, but it's a psycho show. So, uh, no, no, thanks. No okay. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Good night. So, um, so Norman kills. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, oh, I know what it was. Uh, your grandfather was driving and, uh, Anthony Perkins was hitchhiking on a road. Isn't that crazy, dude? That's insane. And what, don't you have, like, proof or something? Didn't he give him something or whatever? Well, check this out, man. So him and his buddies were on, um, you know, like, some sort of, like, Navy duty, but they weren't, like, there every day. It was almost like the reserves type of deal. So they would go and drive and carpool back and forth um, to the Navy base, to the naval base. So they're driving one day, and this guy's hitchhiking, and it's fucking Anthony Perkins. I guess he was the nicest guy, and... You know, oh, thanks for the ride. I got no money on me now. He had like 10 bucks. And, you know, my grandfather was like, don't even worry about it, dude. We got you. So we took him, drove him to wherever he wanted to get to. And he was like, you know, really, I want to I wanna pay you and, and help you out. So we got my grandfather's address. Well, he thought nothing of it. Well, a month later, he sent him a fucking fat check, too. So it was definitely wow. after Psycho 2 I found out that he made it. I wasn't sure at the time when I first heard the story. I talked to my grandmother about it because my grandfather's passed since. So I talked to my you know grandmother about this whole story and she's telling me about it because you know she knows my love of horror movies and stuff like that. Yeah, man. So he sent him a check, dude. And I, man, I can't find it. I don't know where it is. She doesn't. Uh, they didn't cash it, it in, right? Can you imagine if I found that shit, dude? And uh, I would never sell that. I would frame that shit, bro. But oh, uh, dude, I just think that's awesome. Alex man, would you know? pee his pants. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, trust me, Dan. I would find a price for you. I'll, I'll double what that check is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yep. So. We talked about Norman's bait, this character's transition. He was normal, calm in part one, kills Marion, now he's fidgety. Now part two, he's kind of normal, then he starts being weird on the phone. Part three, he just got done killing Spool, she's missing, people are looking for her, now Mar uh, Maureen is around, he's getting all weirded out by that, then he discovers her when she slashed her wrist so now he's like oh my gosh she can recognize me now he's flipped out nervous by the time he's visiting Maureen in the hospital bed by the end of the movie he's just shot now in this one he's cool calm collective in control again and a lot of people will argue like this prequel they dismiss the sequels right that just that's just not okay that's nice that you dismiss it but it ain't like Halloween H2O where we don't have Jamie Lloyd anymore and things like that. And we don't have Loomis and we don't have whoever the hell was willing to do those movies at that point. And you start fresh from Jamie Lee Curtis and continue on. Norman was in all of them. You can't ignore them. There's no such thing as that. You just can't say, well, they don't exist. This is just a, a sequel from part one. Mm -hmm. Sorry. You just shot the two sequels four years ago. Mm -hmm. The same guy is in all of them. It just makes no sense. You can't just say that. It's like they chose certain aspects to follow, and then others they just totally disregarded and or fucked them up, you know? Yeah. Mm. So let's wrap it up. Okay. I'm done with this. So Norman brings the wife to the house. 
his old house. He says, meet me at my mother's house. Um, she goes. He kind of goes to kill her. Pulls the knife out. And she goes, how can you do this? Blah, blah, blah. Gives an argument. I don't know. Jamie said it before. What was it, Jamie? How did... What was the... Here's the thing. This is the climax of the film. Right. What is the big turnaround? What's the big thing that he goes... He's going to kill her. This is huge. And then what turns it all around? Like, what's the argument the wife gives? Anybody even remember? Um, no. I mean, you know... (laughs) No. Not at all, dude. (laughs) Like, shouldn't that be something we remember? The argument she gives for for him not killing her? Yeah. Uh, it's the baby, right? Or the... Mm. You no, know, the baby won't be like you, or the baby's right. not going to kill anyone. <laughs> so he went to that extreme to have that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> like, couldn't he just have asked her? Do you think he's <laughs> not going to grow up couldn't to be a monster? No, that's totally it. That's a legitimate question. Yes. Instead of wiping out a bunch of people, <laughs> just ask. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we could have got to this ending a lot easier just calling her and saying, Hey, hon, you know, I'm like Norman Bates, kind of famous. I know I killed a lot of people, and, uh, you know, my mom's nuts. I'm nuts. I've been in an institution for, I don't know how many years now. And somehow you decided to marry me, which is bizarre to begin with, but... We have sex, and I knocked you up, and now we're going to have a kid. Do you think that the kid will kill people? Mm-hmm. He could have just done that. Mm-hmm. He could have. Instead, instead of, like, luring her to this house and pulling a knife on her. So well, sweet. I was going to say, you know, you'd think he'd want to preserve the the, the woman that has uh, agreed to marry him and, and have sex with him. But, uh, you know, historically, when, one thing that I have learned for sure from this series is that Norman never had any problem getting any. <laughs> there were yeah, some, right. somehow there were women all over him. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And here's the bigger question. Would you even go back to this dude if he pulled a knife on you and went through this whole fiasco? She seems to forgive him pretty quickly. Right? I don't feel like she was ever mad at him. You know, I, I don't think she was ever angry. And then when it came to the end there, she was just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, thanks for not killing me, honey. So what do you want to do? We want to go to uh It's almost like some people sat in a room and it was like a paint-by-numbers version of a psycho fucking movie, dude. And it's like, you look back on it, it's clearly one of the weakest, you know, if not the weakest. It's of, the weakest, Dan. If yeah. you take a... Uh, it's debatable. Well, no, I don't count the remake because that's not part of this. Okay. No debate involved. That is a statement of fact. That's <laughs> a fucking fact. The remake is a reboot. You can't count that. So this is the weakest. Yeah, this is the weakest. And anyone out there, I I challenge anyone to prove to me it's not. Exactly, <laughs> dude. No. Actually, it, I would love it if you could because that would make you pretty badass. Well, the dude from the Psycho Movies part uh, dot com, Jason Allentoff, he said this is a good movie. We should have him on one day. You know on what? Su- you can think it's a good movie if you want. But what I'm saying is. You know, someone proved to me that this isn't the weakest because I don't think there's any debate whatsoever. This is absolutely the weakest film in the series. And if anyone thinks otherwise, show me. You know, I, but I don't, uh, I just don't see how any of them could be weaker than this one. 
And they even said on the Psycho Legacy that um, Anthony Perkins, you know, had, you know, there was like trouble on the set on this one with oh, him just God. not feeling like he was a part of it and he had no say. And it's like you can't blame him, dude. It's taken a franchise, it's taken a part of your life, and just kind of, I wouldn't say shitting on it. It's not shitting on it, but at the same time, it's doing it no fucking justice. It's like a performing monkey. It's doing it no good, yeah. Dance, monkey, dance. Do a psych dance. So, okay, think back to the one that he directed and think mm-hmm. about what we got from that. Yeah. Right. When he had everything to say. Yep. You know? Right. Oh, yeah. It was, we have no complaints. Yeah. This, this is his life. He loves this. And it shows. Yeah. And if this one, he was not doing what he wanted to do. He was doing what someone else wanted him to do. And you could tell, like, you could see the frustration just right. in him. It just emanated from him. Mm. And um, I don't know, like, I, I was wrestling with myself throughout the entire film thinking, well, is that supposed to be his character, you know? Or is this really him just hating what he's doing right now, like Bob Saget when he had to host America's Funniest Home Video? That's a great reference. <laughs> and, then, and then, guys, at the end, man, it's like, what? He's going to fucking burn the house? That's the fucking oh, climactic that. ending where, what? That's supposed to allude to the fact that he's going to fucking wash away or burn away his sins? Yeah. <laughs> And he sees all the ghosts. Oh, dude, don't even... Oh, God, dude. Come on, man. That was the most... You know, we we actually have clips of those ghosts. Play them. Yeah. Well, one of the ghosts that he saw, uh, because he was, they were talking to him, one of them said this. Fuck you, asshole. And then uh, the girl that he was going to have sex with, she's, right. you know, she saw him and she was like... Damn, you look good. Ah, uh, okay. All and right. uh, one of the guys he actually <laughs> killed... He saw on the way down, the, you know, the famous uh, psycho stairs, and when he bumped into one of the guys that he killed, the the guy said, "God damn you!" <laughs> uh, so anyway, the movie wraps up with with um, a baby crying after he burns down the motel. You know, the screen goes black, and uh, there's a baby crying. So now, instantly, that obviously opens the door for Psycho Five. And as stupid as this sounds. Hmm. I wrote a script for Psycho 5. <laughs> you know what, Dan? I really don't like you anymore. <laughs> Dude, anyway. wait. What do you mean? What do you mean? It's His son is named Andrew Bates. And... Why haven't you sent this to me? Yeah, I play him. And, uh, no, it's of this course. is a full... F- of course I do. I have to play <laughs> I'm the son of Norman Bates. So... <laughs> I actually posted this on Horrorbid a week ago in between part one and two retrospective. I so, missed it, dude. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, huh. uh, hopefully... Uh, Tell me what happens in the story. What happens with um, with you? Well, basically, uh, my character... <laughs> here's how it works. I try to make this work and pay respect to the original. Now, the baby's crying, so obviously it's his kid. Now... The way I worked it out is the kid has to have some kind of underlying issues, all right? Mm-hmm. So, and it has to be family related. So I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it to the thing. Mm-hmm. He hears all the kids talk about, "Wow, your dad's Norman Bates. This guy's a freaking psycho. He killed you. He killed blah 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 blah. I killed all these people. Keeps telling all these stories, shows them stuff, whatever. You know, look, this is your dad. Blah blah. Now, 
what happens in the movie is that the kid gets all this shit in his head. He hears his mom and dad fighting in the other room. And it's really getting loud, and Norman takes something and throws it, and this and that. And then the mom screams because she's nervous. So the kid starts thinking that he's going to kill his mother. Mm. So Andrew, at I think I made him 12 to tie into the first one. Right. He, he grabs a butcher knife, which is iconic to Norman. And he runs into the room, and he sees Norman yelling and screaming at the mom, and he, he rams the knife into his stomach. To save his mother. And then the mom says, No, what are you doing? You know, wasn't touching me or whatever. And he kills his dad. Mm. That way, all you, from the visual, the way I shot it or the way I planned it out, all you see is Norman from the feet up and he's dressed like he is in part three. So it kind of, you know, ties together again with the tan and the Nikes and all that crap. And uh, so, and you see a silhouette because, you know, obviously Anthony Perkins is dead. So, mm-hmm. uh, so from there, he gets sent to an institution. Then they kind of chalk it up to protecting, you know, his mom. So now he has all these problems, dude. And from there it begins. Now wow. the son of Norman Bates has father, mother issues, all this stuff. He's a murderer. He's locked institution, and it starts all over again. Damn, dude, you're a creative motherfucker, dude. Yo, I'd watch that over fucking this movie. <laughs> well, hopefully. Well, no, I'm not joking, you dude. Fuck, man, that's great. And which, you know, come on, man. You look at movies like this that we're talking about, it's like you wonder how much fucking bureaucracy this movie had to go through to get to the point where it was at, you know? It's like, how could you fuck something like that up? But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Oh, and another, what? can I say a what-the-fuck moment in this movie? Oh, yeah, we didn't do that. <laughs> John Landis is in this film. Oh, yeah, right? He's the... <laughs> well, what's the connection? Was there a, like, a Mick Garris, John Landis connection that I'm forgetting about or was that just random i couldn't you know jamie that's a good question i'm sure i you know i I would say i'm positive but i'm clearly not but i i would bet a lot of money (laughs) on that but uh, not only that it's just um i'm sure he might have been a fan but it's crazy that he would actually do a movie like this you know i think he was actually uh john lannis was dating cch pounder And that's how we got the part. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> CCH Pounder. You know, she was actually in another movie that of a person I'm obsessed with. Arnold Schwarzenegger, End of Days. She's in a lot of movies. What does she play in End of Days? A cop. She can she accused Arnold of being an alcoholic. Wow. I lo- dude, that's one of my favorite soundtracks, dude. Eminem's got a track on that. You, you know what it is, dude? One of the greatest lines. As long as I'm on my pills and I got plenty of pot, I'll be in a canoe paddling, making fun of your yacht. But I do want an award for one mic and a source for a wardrobe that I can afford. He's still with the mic and the source, man? Yeah, he's all about it. Jesus Christ, you're not get Benzino doesn't like you. <laughs> exactly. Wow, I'm so glad you got that reference. Okay, cycle well, four. I'm good, man, I'm good. See, I'm, I'm very well-rounded as a human being. <laughs> yeah, right. Can't wa- I can't even get you to watch any TV. I'm watching Bates Motel, motherfucker. Motherfucker! It's so good, too. I can't wait for people to see this shit, dude. Oh, it's so let me, good. Let me reference Jamie for a second. She said how, like, it emanated his feelings. Mm-hmm. Jamie, there's a lot going on in uh, Anthony Perkins' life at this time. I didn't want to say this because I didn't want to be a downer. We were having such a good time with Psycho 3. Um... 
craziest part is, uh, ooh, uh, Anthony Perkins found out he had AIDS during the filming of Psycho 3. Oh, fuck. And in Psycho 4, obviously, it was, uh, you know, full-blown. I mean, it's, yeah, it's been in his life for four years. Can you imagine, dude? Yeah, so, I mean, the guy was not, like, a barrel of laughs, I don't think, at that point. Right. So it's got to be tough, man. Yeah, and if you... That's another thing, though. I mean, if you were going to go out and if you're going to... Do you want this to be your legacy? Oh, stop. Don't do that. That's messed up. Don't say that. That's kind of fucked up, Jamie. I know. It's like... I'm serious. It's like Jackie Gleason and Smokey and the Bandit 3. I mean... He fought them tooth and nail. He fought the director tooth and nail, I heard. He, he, He wasn't buying it. No, I know, and it's it's obvious, and that's 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 bad. You know, it's sad man. I think it's sad. It's, it's very sad. sad. I think he did it for the fans, man. He probably made one more. I don't know. And plus, here's the thing: he didn't think Psycho Three. People, you gotta remember, people didn't respond well to Psycho Three, mm. and right. he was convinced that the reason they didn't respond well to Three is because it was too much like Part One. It really isn't but it mirrors part one like we already said and the reason people didn't respond well is because like i already said it was that sleazy undertone people felt weird about it right you know and they didn't know what was bothering them Mm -hmm. and they just did they they just didn't like it because it's just it's just something that you just you can't you can't f with it motherfucker (laughs) you can't fuck with that shit like i can or anthony perkins can or i guess that all three of us can I'm sure looking back, he would say, if I could direct three and then drop it like that, right right there, he'd be down with it. But, you know, that's just looking back, you know? I, I feel like he had his heart and soul into it. But like you said, he was diagnosed. He was probably very sick at that point, you know? Not very sick, I shouldn't say. I don't know. I think he died in, what was it, 92, right? Yeah, you September, go, two years later. September 12th, yeah. Yeah, man. So it's like he tried. I don't think well, I'm not it, saying it, it was a bad right. decision oh, for right. him to do yeah. this. What I'm saying is that I'm. It, it's sad that it he was obviously unhappy right. during this, and this that that is now his legacy. That is his, you know, his final film was one oh. that he didn't really enjoy, and that's right, sad. Jamie. Yeah, absolutely. It's very sad, you know? It really is. And, you know, like I said, that's what I meant by looking back and stuff like that. You know, us talking, it would have been great if he went out on three. Yeah, that'd been a high point. You know, and it's just such a bad movie, too, where it's just like, oh, man, that just kind of sucks. So, yeah, man, that's what I got (laughs) to. That's what we got to say about that movie. (laughs) All right, let's wrap it up. Then we'll get to the end where we wrap everything up, man. Uh,. So, uh, rating time. This is going to be bad. God. I'll go with Dan first. A two. Really? Two out of ten? Mm-hmm. Just didn't like it. And that's I t- have never heard you go that low. Two. Yeah, that's low, dude. I thought you were going to say four. I mean, you I, you complain if I you know drop to a six on something you like. So, like... Because yeah. you're wrong about that six. T- oh! <laughs> 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 no. Two, that's... That's wow. It looks good <laughs> in the movie, dude. And it's like it's you awkward, know, but it feels good. Yeah, exactly, dude. You know, if it feels good, keep it going. But if <laughs> it don't feel good, give that shit a two. Mm. All right, Jamie, how do you rate this? I'm gonna say three. <laughs> so much more generous. 
<laughs> you know, I think it's right, though. But what do you think, Alex? Because I don't think it would be that out of line if you said a six or something, you know? I, look, I love this character, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the character, too. Exactly. What this movie did to this character. They mm. fucked up this character for me, and that makes me angry. That's, <laughs> that's why. All right. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I just never had such a uh, cynical look on the movie. I, I, I really... Just here's my take on it. I always felt that it wasn't really that great, but to me, it was just the one I watched least. Right. That's about as far as I went with my dislike Probably for it. Probably poured a little more hate on it than necessary, but the others, you know, I sucked them off so hard that I felt like I needed to make up for that. I guess. Yeah. You got a bash, man. What do you uh, ask, kisser? Uh, <laughs> oh, it just struck me as so bad when I watched this. Just oh, so bad. All right. I'll give it a five. Dude, that's dude, that's yeah. a good rating, you know, considering your love for the fucking franchise and shit, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, come on, let's face it. This is going to fucking bite me in the ass if I start getting at you for liking that once we do our Scream retrospective, you know, about Scream 3. Oh, God, it's going to fucking kill me. So, oh, yeah. Geez. No, I, I admit, I understand. You guys really opened me up to a lot of things. I, I guess I did overlook stuff. And, um... I was talking Pat, the ghoul in Cabin 1. The ghoul, ghoul, ghoul under your bed. He's the one who's going to drop a little psycho rap. Oh, shit, son. Yep, so you're going to hear that. We're getting into a story that's quite insane. Starts out with Sam Booth and Marion Crane. A friend Marion saw money in the game. She stole 40000 bucks and sped off like a train. Later in the night, she encounters some rain. She stops off at the base motel soon to be flame. She meets Norman Bates. He says there's vacancy. He befriends Marion and makes a dinner hastily. She angers Norman, talking about his mother. Norman says, we all go a little mad sometimes. It doesn't Marion just know she just triggered a string of crimes. Cut to Marion showering gracefully until Norman's mother comes in crazily and stabs Marion quite painfully. Norman sees what happened and hides her body. That Norman is acting very oddly. Norman is questioned by Arbogast. Arbogast catches on fast, convincing Norman saw Marion last. Goes to Bates' house and ends up slashed, and the dead body ends up trashed. Lila and Sam decide to discover the truth about Norman and his mother. Lila finds Mother, turns her chant around, she screams at what she just found. Turns out Mother is just a cadaver. Norman busts in, ready to stab her. Dressed in his mama's clothes, holding the dagger, luckily Sam comes in and brings Bates to a stagger. Cut to the doc's office. He explains why Norman was so lawless. Norman got a split personality. He had a break in his mentality when he saw his mother with another guy, exercising her heterosexuality. Flipping killed his mother and her lover with mass brutality. Now his mother controls his rationality, which causes Norman to cause fatality. We then see Norman showing some sentimentality. He says that he wouldn't hurt a fly. What we see is that Norman Bates is one fucked up guy. Alright guys, like we said, we're going to wrap up the Skeleton Crew Psycho Retrospective by touching on the Psycho Remake 1998. 
as you know, a lot of you already know, we already kind of went in on this. On May 16th, 2012, we had the creator of the Psycho Legacy himself, Rob G. He sat in with us. We went over the Psycho remake, how it compares to the original. I got to say, it was probably one of my most enjoyable shows. It was one of the most fun conversations I ever had, and it was one of the most interesting discussions about Psycho and the remake and the versus kind of deal. So what I did was I went back, I went into that show, and I tightened it up, and I basically really kept everything that focused on the remake versus the original, kind of cut out all the rest of the stuff, and uh, so there you have it. And I don't think we could even do better than this. Rob G came in, and he killed it, so... This is the perfect way to end off this Psycho Retrospective. So en- enjoy this little segment. And then after this, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about all four Psycho movies for a little bit. What's coming on in the future of the show and all that good stuff. So check this out and stick around for the end. We have on the show with us a very smart gentleman named Rob G. He's the man behind the Psycho Legacy, which is a documentary of Psycho and its three sequels. And proof that he's smart is that he knew to leave the Psycho remake out of this documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Rob. Oh, hi. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We got the Psycho remake, 1998, starring Vince Vaughn and Anne Hage. Now, you see... This movie was kind of pointless because it was, it was just basically shot, almost shot for shot. And when you try to imitate something, you're going to be directly compared to it. That's like one thing I ran into when I was expressing my dislike for the Halloween remake. It's that people were like, you have to separate it from the original, you know, in order to like it. And my answer to them was, no, Rob Zombie had to separate it from the original and I would have liked it. Yeah. Rob Zombie fell short because... He was in that whole tug-of-war battle with the Weinsteins, whether or not Halloween was going to be remade under his own vision or paying homage to the original. And the movie never really went one way or the other, so for that reason, it fell flat. And the Psycho remake fell flat because the obvious reasons it was just creating a poor imitation. I think the only way to successfully remake a movie is to create a new vision while lightly referencing the original source material. You know what I right. mean? And that's not even a guaranteed success. You know, you still have to be a good movie. Yeah. What, what are your overall thoughts on this, first of all, Mr. G? Well, you know, I mean, I watched it when it came out. I remember when, I remember around 98 when it was getting ready to come out, I was really, you know, excited for it because there hadn't really been a, a psycho film in a long time and Perkins was at that point long gone. And, um, you know, I mean, I liked, I liked everything that Gus Van Sant had done up until then. Um, I thought Vince Vaughn was an interesting choice, but I didn't exactly see it. So I was like, all right, well, you know, whatever. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. I I understand the need to remake stuff, but it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like the point you were were trying to make with Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie, I think, works for the first half because it's completely his own thing. Right. I, I think where that one struggles is the second half because the second half tries to be the John Carpenter movie. And, you know, love it or hate it, at least Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, 
at least it's a Rob Zombie movie through and through, and not trying to remake, you know, an element of one of the, you know, movies. Psycho, I mean, it's interesting and scary. I was excited about it at the time, and the theory completely failed. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, I, you know, because it's like all the stuff I heard leading up to the release was intriguing. I mean, one aspect was um, I heard that it was going to be shot for shot. Then I heard a rumor that it was going to be shot for shot up until the shower scene, and then from the shower scene on, it was going to go in a radical new direction. Mm-hmm. And then I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, oh, if they do that, that's kind of cool. Because then you'll feel like you're watching the same movie, but then they'll go into new territory. But And then the other argument was, well, you know, you can people do plays all the time using the same scripts and new actors. So what's the difference between, you know, trying to put on a, a stage show and remaking a movie like this? Like, can it be done? So it all sounded good on paper, but I think the biggest mistake was, it's, you know, because it's, it's like they say it's shot for shot and they're sticking completely to the original, even to the point where, if an actor did something uh, that didn't fit the timing of the original movie, uh, they'd reshoot it. Like, they had the DVD handy so that they could match the exact pacing and timing of the original. Which, to me, seems kind of, like, preposterous. It's like, well, why don't you... That way, that way an actor is not concentrating on giving it a performance. They're trying to just be exactly the right timing of stuff, and it kind of distracts the actors. Yeah. So I don't understand why they went into this, like, meticulous detail to recreate everything. Yet they made some of the craziest changes, um, like the new house, which I don't know why. Like, it's like, hey, let's give them a new house that looks nothing like the original. Um, Norman Bates should, you know, masturbate before he kills people and see clips from Donna Shell videos or something. I, I, none of that ever made any sense to me. Like, what, like it's like if you're going to make a change, go with the full nine and explain it. And if you're going to stay to the original, then stay to the original and don't add these weird asinine things to it. Right. So it's just weird. I don't know exactly what they were trying to do with that. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't work as a... And it just doesn't work. You know, it's like if they completely updated it and redid it, I'd be kind of okay with like, all right, well, this is a different take. Right. But um, the other thing is, I mean, a script from 1960 doesn't play the same way in 1998. It's like some of that stuff is kind of corny now in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, it's out of its time, but in 98, it's a little corny. Exactly what you said. Why make certain changes if you're not going to even update the script to how people talk? For example, one scene I thought was really weird that they added in was Lila Loomis saying, let me go get my Walkman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why why make a Walkman reference if the rest of the time they're going to say words that people haven't said in 40 years? Yeah. <laughs> All the decisions they made on it just seemed very odd. I don't get them. They made the oddest decisions. Like you said, man, you know, they changed certain aspects of it. Like, I noticed, um, you know, the, the way, uh, how much the car was and stuff like that. And, and, and they kept a lot of the same, but if they're trying to play it as, as 98, which they do in the beginning, they say it's 1998 and you're, you're using the same dialogue you know, that, that they did back then, it just doesn't gel. It just doesn't go well. I think the most successful remakes are the ones where, like I said, they touch lightly on the source material. For example, I know a lot of people hate this, and this is probably a bad example, but House of Wax, I really liked it, but that's just my personal opinion. But the thing that's even better about it is that they didn't just recreate the Vincent Price, which is also a remake. But 
it's cool that they just took something loose, house of wax, okay, and that's it. That's what you gotta do with stuff like this. You could have done so much with, with Norman Bates. Let's start off with the positives. Um, I do believe the camera was in focus. <laughs> okay, we're done. Now let's get to the bashing. No. <laughs> no. Okay, let, let's go with a couple positives. The one thing that they did a little bit better than the original was when Norman hit Sam in the face with a golf club. That was probably the only scene that was like, wow, that was pretty badass. And The sound effect was better. Yeah, it was better. And it was better than that weird, <laughs> it was better than that weird thing Norman hit. I forgot what he even hit him, like a tin can or something. I don't even, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what he hit him with. But Mike, what, what is your... What, what are your biggest problems with this movie? Why didn't this work, besides what we already mentioned? I did not like the masturbation before he killed Marion Crane. And I really didn't like, and I, I talked to you about this, you know, earlier today, Alex, when I said, before he goes down after he killed Marion to, like, clean it up, and he, he's walking out of the, the house, and he's like, blood, 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 blood. Like, it's like yeah. a dance number or something, and I just, I don't get that. I hate that. Yeah, that really bugged me too, Mike. Yeah, that drove me crazy, actually. <laughs> the acting was terrible. I felt like I was watching a bad school play of this movie. The acting started off, Rob. What did you think of the act? I know that you give a pass to uh, William Macy. William Macy. William Macy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, well, he's the only actor that doesn't seem like he's distracted by the whole um, timing of like trying to get the timing right of how the original actors performed it. So, and, you know, and he's just, he's just a really good actor. You could give him something like, all right, I need you to, you know, execute these, this paragraph of dialogue in, in two minutes, that's it. And he just had to pull it off. So he was really good. You know, but, yeah, I mean, even Vince Vaughn, I would have been curious if he was able to kind of left his own devices to do his own version of Norman Bates. But it seems like they were all really, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of like put in a box to just, copy exactly what it done before right you know i, I honestly I'm, I'm trying to think of positives i guess getting, getting danny elfman to redo the score in 5.1 that was is good a positive yeah that was <laughs> yeah. good is that uh i, I when i went to see it in theaters i was just so disappointed because the thing is when you watch the original movie you you don't know the twist you know i mean maybe now you're a little bit more sad you've seen a lot of movies that have copied psycho and it'll seem strangely familiar when you're watching the original movie. But for the most part, when Norman comes out as mother, you're like, whoa, that's insane. I had no idea. But I remember from the first moment that Vince Vaughn came on screen, everyone was kind of snickering at thing. And it was like, like they knew, like, oh, this guy's obviously psycho. Like, he's insane. So this is obviously the person that's going to be the killer. And more importantly, the reveal in the original is like one of those great shocking moments with the score and everything. Uh, the screeching violence, but then I remember theaters, the second you saw Vince Vaughn with a blonde wig, yeah. which often didn't make sense, everyone started laughing, and I was just like, no, no, this is supposed to be the scary right. reveal, and everyone's <laughs> laughing at Vince Vaughn in a blonde wig, it's, it's not right, it doesn't feel right. And you know, I want to go back to Mike, remember you talked about how you don't like that Norman was jerking off when uh, Marion was getting undressed? Right. I think the funny part about it, and I, I always catch on to this stuff because I'm a nut, I think it was right. funny that he, he went at it for about 15 seconds and he seemed to finish. Oh yeah, dropping fucking loads! Now, that's a quick draw. 
Yeah, I don't. But I, I think he's he's competing with Judith Myers' boyfriend because at this point, <laughs> I don't know who lasted longer. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I wonder that myself actually. That doesn't adhere to the whole reason why Norman morphs over into his, the other personality is m- mother is just the mother personality of Norman Bates is extremely jealous. So the point is, as soon as he even remotely gets attracted to another woman, he he turns into mother. So he wouldn't even have a chance to masturbate. It's <laughs> that you know, like he like in the original, he sees her kind of naked, and then he goes to the other room, and then he becomes mother because mother becomes insane and jealous of it. It's like he, he can't get sexually aroused and then become mother. It's like that's what causes him to become mother mm. is um, his sexuality. When he, when he kind of gets into that mode and feels that, that aspect of himself, that's when he becomes mother. So yeah. it doesn't make any sense. That's a very good point. Well, And I think, too, with with, with that whole thing, I, I think they were trying to, to update it to for, for shock value mainly, and that's the deal. Like... It's a hard question, too, but Rob, what do you think? Do you think it's the times, too, that it, that it didn't play as well as the original? Again, I know it's one of those movies that's just really difficult to figure out the decision-making process on it. Like, why would they do that? Everything else seems similar, but it's like, well, how can we shock people here? You know, masturbation is still pretty taboo in the 90s, so let's just show them doing that. I mean, I guess that's valid. I don't know why, as mother or as... I don't know why any psychopath, quote unquote, would have visions of thunder and lightning and naked women from Nine Inch Nails videos and Rob Zombie, and, you know, because it was a, that like, really a threw me off. And, and I don't understand like what that even means. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, like the trailer hints at that. They're like, "This is the mind of Martin Bates." I'm like, "Really?" Because crazy people don't see that kind of shit when they're crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there is one personality that completely believes what they're doing, or they're the other that also completely believes what they're doing. So, Dan, what were you talking about? You said when you said when Arbogast was killed. That's exactly what I was talking about. It looked like a Nine Inch Nails video when he was falling down the stairs. It it really threw me off. There, there was a, a scene with a cow, and then you know, it, it was just odd in many different levels. To to the point where it took me out of the movie, and I was like, what the hell is going on with this? I thought that was yeah. Arbogast having flashbacks of, like, his life. I, 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 then I was like, well, I don't know. I'm not really sure what to make of that. See, that's what I mean. What What do you take from that? Right. Like, is it is it trying to say, you know, in your last moments, things flash before your eyes that don't make sense? I mean, I've heard of that happening with people where they just see weird imagery, but they don't explain it. It, it doesn't fit in with the story. It's just odd. I don't know. It just runs like, that that could be a valid theory that it's the character, but I mean, it happens during um, Marion Crane's death too. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, good point. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's you have to assume it's Norman's mind because right. you know, I don't know why would Marion and and you know Arbogast see you know a cow and a naked woman. I, you know, I don't understand why yeah. that would. It doesn't make sense that that's their life flashing back. It looks more like crazy, you know, imagery that. They're trying to insinuate Norman sees. Right. Um, no, you're, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think they said, let's just put random shit here. Who cares? <laughs> Anybody have a cow? Anybody have a mailbox we could throw in here? <laughs> Bueller? Yeah. A garden hose. But, uh, yeah, what I was saying before, I felt no impact during scenes that were really pivotal. Like, Mike, when Norman was delivering the classic lines like, um, 
It'll be cold and damp like a grave. You know, the light will go out. Fire go out, be cold, damp, like a grave. You know, we're all in our private traps. We, you know, claw only at the air, only at each other, right. fall, but we never budge an inch. Tell me it, that. It, it felt like he was reading it from a paper. It really did. It just, there was no emotion behind it. it you know what I think? I think we're all in our private traps, clamped in them. We can never get out. Always scratch and claw, but only at the ear, only at each other. And for all of it, you never budge an inch. The only person that I felt exhibited any sort of emotion in the film was William H. Macy. Other than that, they were all just flat. They didn't, there, there was nothing. Wouldn't it be better if you put her someplace? You mean an institution? A madhouse? People always call a madhouse someplace, don't they? Put her in someplace. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to sound uncaring. What do you know about caring? Have you ever seen the inside of one of those places? The laughing and the tears. And the cruel eyes studying you. My mother there. When Anthony Perkins delivered that line, you knew that shit hit the fan just now in this conversation. And you were like, oh shit. And, Ma and Mary and Crane knew it. We knew it. And you could see it. And you just hope that the next few words this guy says is going to be, you know, he's going to calm down and go back to normal. When Vince Vaughn said it. Do you mean an institution? Madhouse? People always call a madhouse someplace, don't they? Put her in someplace. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sound uncaring. I... What do you know about caring? Have you ever seen the inside of one of those places? The laughing and the tears and the cruel eyes studying you? My mother in there? Did you notice that he, he couldn't even rely on his delivery to get that point across? He had to make that weird face like he was mad. He's like, a madhouse? What do you know about caring? Have you ever seen the inside of one of those places? The cruel's eyes staring at you? Like, it was just, it was so bad and he knew it that he had to start making faces to show us he's mad. Or, or to get that thing across when Anthony Perkins did it just in his tone of voice and his delivery. He owned the role. And all of those scenes could have fell flat, as you just saw in this remake, but they didn't fall flat when Anthony Perkins did it. Yeah. I mean, it's just a testament to him as an actor. Yeah, right. well, that, do you want to say that, or do you want to say that Vaughn could have done it had those lines been updated? It really depends on the person that plays it and what kind of restraints they have on them. Right. Um, and it seems like these guys had a lot of restraints. And the other thing is just, you know, Anthony Perkins is a completely different type of actor than, than Vince Vaughn, and there's so much stuff that Perkins did that really solidified him as that character. I don't know. what I think I didn't hate Vince, Vince Vaughn's, um, you know, his whole his whole role in that, because like, like Rob said, you know, it seemed like he had restraints, and you can only work with what you're given, and it didn't seem like they had a lot of leeway, it being shot for shot, practically line for line. What do you do with that? You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't hate, hate this movie, but it's almost like I see no point in why they would make it. That's all. Yeah, and watching it the whole time, because uh, 
I don't know if Rob knows this. I never watched it. I, I was hoping to die saying <laughs> I never watched this. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's my fault. Yeah, Mike put me up to the challenge, and I, I purposely, I wouldn't even watch the trailer. Like, they're like, dude, just check out the shower scene in the trailer, whatever. I wouldn't even do it. I said, I'm not watching right. this piece of shit. And uh, <clears throat> I ended up doing it for the show, but, you know, whatever. You know what I was just really wondering? When they were doing those flashes and visions, why didn't they put the car salesman's hair in there? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been the scariest thing they could have shown? <laughs> yeah, would have been good. Was that not scary or Quite what? possibly. <laughs> yeah. You know, back to William H. Macy. I, I disagree with Rob and Mike because, to me, he just didn't have that face that made you go, oh, shit, this guy's going to ruin my life. Like, For real? He didn't have the intimidation factor. Dude, watch his watch his parts again. Oh, I forget the guy that played him in the original. I forget his name. I know. I was um, just trying to Martin, say that. Martin Balsam. He, oh, he's that's fine. Good. Yeah, yeah. He's fine, but it's. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, nobody in it really compares to anybody in the original in terms of you know acting ability. Because again, Vince Vaughn's not on on his game on this because I, I, he must have been he must have been limited by what Gus Van Sant wanted him to do. But if you go back to the original and watch the scene of Arbogast interrogating Norman yeah. and just Balsam and, and Perkins together, that's like one of the greatest examples of, you know, that's just some of the finest acting ever captured on film. Like, those guys are so good together. Absolutely, um, dude. And a lot of it was them recommending, in, in particular Perkins recommending how he wanted um, them to kind of keep stumbling over each other's words, even though it might interfere with their coverage the way they would they, they would normally shoot it but um but yeah no hitchcock was totally for it and it, it turned out to be you know it's a great moment. oh i think perfect i mean when when that scene the interrogation like you really you felt like you were on the hot seat didn't you i mean like you lived through norman during that entire scene and you were like oh shit come on don't mess up don't mess up keep keep, keep your game face keep your game face and when vaughn did it and this other guy, Macy, I just felt like it was two guys rehearsing lines. Now, th this might be a case of, well, you're just comparing it to the original. you got to, like, separate yourself. But you can't. Th I think that's the major problem here. There's no way out of yeah. it. There's no way out of it. You have to. Yeah, it's one of those rare movies that is just so influential and so original that it's really impossible to separate it. And that's kind of the way I approach I mean, a lot of the newer remakes... I always have a tough time the first time I watch them because of that, but I've been able to separate them and enjoy them for what they are, but this is one of those rare occasions where it's really, really hard, really, really hard to differentiate the original and your memory of the original and the remake because it's just, it's that indelible. Yeah. Did, do you watch this movie for fun ever or no? Which one? The remake? Yeah. I, no, I mean, I, again, I, I own it, and I saw it when it came out, and I watched it, I think, around the time that I was doing Psycho Legacy, and I thought I might be interviewing people from it, but I just, it, every time I put it on, it, it honestly just feels like a waste of time to me. It's like, well, why am I going to watch this for the next 90 minutes when I'd yeah. rather watch the first one over again, or any of the, you know, any of the sequels, which I think are superior to it, so... There is better things to do with my time than, than to revisit the remake. I don't really enjoy all that much. My hobby is stuffing things. You know, taxidermy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I'd rather stuff birds. Well, because I hate the look of beasts when they're stuffed. You know? 
foxes and chimps. Some people even stuff dogs and cats. I couldn't do that. No, I, I think only birds look well stuffed because um, they're kind of passive to begin with. I don't know. Just things like the base motel sign I thought was terrible. Oh, well, yeah. that. Was. Oh, the, you know what? The motel itself was terrible. The, it just... The motel, the house, but we talked about the house. Well, yeah, Rob, we talked about that. On the house, but the house was horrible. The motel was horrible. Uh, Vince Vaughn's fake laughing was terrible. Um, the the actors who played Mr. Lowry and Cassidy, the, the two guys in the bank, absolutely terrible. How, how can you not even play a jerk correctly i don't get it you know like while i was watching this like i like just like rob i just wanted to turn it off and watch psycho 3 dude i really and you know the the movie was an insult to the music in my opinion and they didn't even hit the cues right even when the uh norman killed marion in the shower wasn't the music cue off there i mean that's impossible to recreate i can't imagine how i know they were trying to go shot for shot but but the music was off. It's one of those magical... Yeah, I mean, the music. But then again, it's like... It's it's, it's got to be a couple seconds off just because they... Um, you know, they, they threw in those weird random shots. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, but so right there, you're going to throw it off. It's not going to match the original cue. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, that would have been impossible to try to recreate anyway. Exactly. No matter how many storyboards you put aside for it, because... It's one of those magical moments in movies that just, I, I can't, I don't even know if Hitchcock could have redone it. <laughs> yeah, you know? you know, as I sat there, it just dawned on me that I wonder who I would be today if that was my first introduction to Norman Bates. That, that's all I wonder, because it was that yeah. bad. But either way. Rob, what's your favorite uh, Psycho movie out of, out of the franchise? What's my favorite? Uh, mm-hmm. That's a question. I kind of love them all for... My, my own reasons, which is why I even made a documentary about all of them. Um, right. The original is a classic, so that's obviously the best movie. But um, I don't know. I tend to go back and forth between two and three. Yes. Two, two is great. It's two is a great sequel. Um, I'm not crazy about the ending. It's it's a great ending and it's fun. But then I, I kind of have a weird soft spot for three, which I know is not uh, is one of the least liked by fans or maybe the younger fans seem to like a lot but I don't know three seems like part through Norman's eyes and that was always intriguing to me growing up and it had a little bit of extra season it three is usually the one I'll go to to watch so wow. I'll, I'll I'll say three just a tiny bit over two Mike you know how happy that makes me right <laughs> I know now I want to ask you 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 create you um released the cycle legacy which is like I said a documentary on all four Psycho movies. You released this on October 19th, 2010. How how did it go? What's the reception like? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, from what I understand, it did really well for Shot Factory. Um, and even now, two years later, we're, we're still trying to get it out into other parts of the world. Um, it, it came out, unbeknownst to me, it came out in Germany on Blu-ray, which is weird because we didn't we shot it before the Blu-ray format even existed, so it's not in HD. It's just under death. So I don't know how they managed to release an HD version of it when it doesn't exist. But and we're trying to get get it hopefully on TV somewhere by October of this year, like for this Halloween. And I'm sure again the 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 new movie, which I think is just called Hitchcock now. Yeah. We'll hopefully draw a lot of attention to it and um, kind of keep bringing 
fans back to that original franchise. I mean, as far as my part in it, like, Mission Accomplished, I, what I wanted to do, which was just remember and honor those movies and turn people back on to them. Um, you know, I still get people all the time like, oh, there's a Psycho 2 and 3, I didn't even know. <laughs> and then I, I force my movie on them and they pick it up and, and they go and buy it. Um, I mean, ironically enough, earlier today, uh, my buddy AJ Bowen, who's a fine actor in several movies a lot of years, he texted me this morning saying, Hey man, was just taking a break, watched Psycho Legacy, and I ran to Amoeba to buy Psycho 2, 3, and 4. Awesome. <laughs> so, so it's nice to know that people, even friends of mine, like still see my doc and like, you know what, I should own those movies. Oh, Rob, I, I've seen them before. I've seen all the movies before, but honestly, until I, I saw your documentary, that really got me excited again to watch them again. And, and I loved them, and it made me took, take another closer look at them. And, you know, that all goes to you, sir. So, bravo. That's all. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Again, mission accomplished. And, um, and I don't know if you guys knew about it, and I don't think it's a secret, so whatever, I'll tell you. Um, but I've been working on the book version of it for a little while now, which is probably going to take me quite a while. <laughs> um, but there will be a book version of Psycho Legacy at some point in the not-too-distant future. Good. I'll so, buy it. Oh, of course, yeah. I'll buy it. I'll support all this. I mean, the Psycho Legacy book is taking up a lot of my time. It's going to be different than what the documentary was because I want them both to complement each other. And I, don't want, I don't want anybody to feel like they're saying the same thing twice because it's totally not going to be that. Um, but it's, it's going to be along the lines of the, the Crystal Lake Memories book, which is like this nice hard cover, like a uh, coffee table book that, um, you know, featured all the interviews completely unedited and uncut. And the nice thing about the Psycho Legacy book is I've been able to go back and get newer interviews with people that weren't in the movie because, you know, obviously with the movie, I had to physically meet them to shoot the interview. But if you're doing a book, you could just get them on the phone for a few minutes. So, so I've already spoken to Dennis Franz from Psycho 2, and I got an inter- a new interview with him about Psycho 2 exclusively for the book. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, the book is the main thing, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see what else is in store. But most important of all, I know it won't be in your documentary, but Tony lived for his wife, his sons. And he gave her 100%. He was honest. He was honest to his craft. He never, he never lied to anybody. And he passed on with dignity. He lived his life to the fullest. Um, I was there in his last breath. I was there. And I was blessed. There'll never be another Tony. Never. I would never try or pretend to be him. He was just a great man. How could a god who made all this beautiful stuff in the world also make things that are scary and evil? Norman has been through a lot. He's a sensitive boy. You're different, aren't you? What's so different about me? This is our chance to start over. 
It's all gonna be good, Norman. We're not remaking Psycho. We're using it as an inspiration. This show will challenge everything that you think you know. It's an incredible reimagining of the original Psycho. You don't think about the future? Or what it's going to happen when you grow up? Bates Motel takes place in a contemporary world. We're bringing Norman Bates into high school and he's got a mobile phone. We own a motel, Norman Bates. The locations are just breathtaking. Every time that I see the set, it blows my mind. This town looks really beautiful on the outside, but underneath it is something very dark and malevolent. Now get the hell off my property, or I will shoot you myself. The people involved, I think, are fantastic. We were incredibly lucky to get this stellar cast, led by Vera Farmiga and Freddie Highmore. Freddie Highmore, he's superb. He had this innocence, and then he could go really dark. You said you wanted me to have a life here. Don't lose your temper at me, Norman! <laughs> The writing is such a blast. It takes these crazy turns. Well, what are we going to do? It's suspense-filled all the way through, but still, you just feel so much for these characters. Every member of the crew is excited to read the next script. I'm dying to read the rest of the episodes. They're page-turners. You just can't wait to find out what's happening. Dad! <gasps> There's a lot of surprises. There's a lot of twists and turns. It's scary and funny and surprising. <laughs> this massive thing happens in the pilot. There's something here you need to see. Um, I don't know how far I can go into it. I don't know how to do this without, like, how does Annie feel about spilling the beans here? I, I think, I think we've kind of said enough. You have to watch it. I love you, Norman. I love you too, Mom. Alright guys, it was great checking into the Bates Motel, getting cabin one, tearing it up, <laughs> and uh, I'm drunk. You, you can check in, but you can't check out, bitch. I was gonna make that joke, but I wasn't what? going to rap it, so I guess you beat me. I'm a rap it, I'm a crap it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all kind of fucked up on this episode. Oh, wait, yes, I am. <laughs> well, I mean, all right. Let, Jamie is just for being here. Let's just put it this way, okay? You're looking down the barrel of Psycho 4. What would you do? Pull the oh, trigger. I, no, <laughs> you, no, you drink. You just, you get fucked up. Like, what would you do? Yeah, listen, the happiness of Psycho 4 is at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> let's face it. Basically. Alright, but Lena, listen, let's end on a high note. Screw Psycho 4. We we just talked about three really badass movies. Psycho Man, Psycho 2, Psycho... And by the way, I watched Psycho again for no reason at all last night. Rock on, dude. Yeah, I rule. <laughs> so that, that was cool. Just, you know, jumping in there for a little bit last night. And uh, we talked about three good movies, man. Psycho 2 is cool. Hits a lull, whatever. So cool. Great scenes, really great scenes. Psycho Psycho 2 is okay. Um, Psycho 3 is definitely the better sequel out of all of them. And I, I have to say Psycho 4 is probably the worst. Not probably. Definitely. There you go. <laughs> One of us might be wrong here and there, but when the three of us are right, we're right. Hot sauce, thank you. You know, let's wrap it up. How do you rank the movies in order? I guess, obviously, you guys are both going to pick one. You're both going to pick three, then two, then four, right? <clears throat> um, or does Jamie put two first? I put two first. 
Not first, not first first. I mean, you know what I mean, before three. Okay, my ranking is, well, one, two, three, four. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's solid, though. Uh, One, three, two, four, yeah. Um, Gee, this is hard because, were we saying best or favorite? Well, that's, see, that's what I was thinking, too. All right, okay, so let's go best. Okay, best, okay, one, three, two, four. Right. Favorite. Three, one, two, four. Agreed. Agreed. I totally agree with you. How about you, Jamie? What's your favorites? One, two, three, four. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that, y'all. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, that, that. It's like that, y'all. Jaws is is perfect, and it's my favorite. That's right. (laughs) Jaws is perfect. So to Jamie, the best ones are her favorites. See, I don't like that, Jamie. What is with you? What, only the... What, no one's good enough for you? Only the sure, best? Yeah, what you, one of my favorite movies ever is Rawhead Rex, so don't get me Rawhead Rex. <laughs> wow. I Damn. know, right? All right? And I'm one of the people who likes <laughs> the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Oh, get out of here with that. <laughs> Stop trying to make us talk about that piece of shit. Oh, Jamie. Jamie, if you ever come up to um, good old Massachusetts, you gotta there come. There are so many things I'm gonna do. <laughs> and, and then we'll and then we'll leave the room. Yeah, Dan will be the reciprocant. <laughs> uh, well, well, we got to go on the Jaws, uh, you know, little expedition too. And my buddy's got a fat boat, dude. I fucking cruise it all the time. Like, wow, a fake shark was here. That's a date. You gotta take it out. It's so <laughs> it's fucking great, dude. I get so I'm such a dork. Yeah. A big rubber shark. You know what I noticed? Yeah, that never awesome. worked. Shut up, Alex. I think that, that is somebody. Like... Somebody posted all four um, Jaws covers on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I never noticed that Jaws makes that face on every single one of them. Does it? It's the same one. Yeah, where he like rises up. And he's got the eyes on this <laughs> big fucking head. And his mouth is open. Close your mouth, you dummy. I told you I met that um, lady. She's an old lady now. She's got to be, whew, at least in her 80s, man. Uh, well, you know, maybe not least, but yeah, 70 or 80s. In the first movie, um, the first chick that gets killed. Yeah. I'm drunk, sorry. <laughs> Go home, Dan. You're drunk. You know, I got yelled at one time for doing a show drunk. Did you re- wow. When I was on Rabbit and Red, Mike and Vince really disapproved of me being drunk on a show. And that the funny thing is, we were on Blog Talk. Alex, this is very important to the Blog Talkers. I've come no further. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, dude's got good taste, you know? Thanks. And so do you with Scream, except for part three, but you don't like that, so you have good taste. We're all right, man. We're, we're just about there. We're on the same page, I think, on that, but we'll get to that. Yeah, and plus, well, Jamie's doing a Scream retrospective. Uh, it's not going to be like uh, uh, Blackula, is it, though? What, in what way? Like, you, you, like, you, like you name the whole show after oh. it, you talk about it for 15 minutes. <laughs> no, I think it goes we, by with a blink of an eye. I think we got at least 20 out of this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Damn, dude. No, wow. I'm kidding. I was about half a you know, the after we do the news, and then we do the one movie, and then we get to that movie, and then we've got... I don't know, there are just a lot of different... Yeah, it's like the instant cue ones go by quicker, I think. Yeah, they do. We don't put as much discussion into those. Hmm. I feel like, I told Dan, like, months ago, if we're going to do anything, 
let's go all the way every time because I don't think we're going to revisit. Yeah, 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 let's go all the way. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to revisit anything, so why not, you know, explore the thing? I mean, Rock out with your cock out, hang out with your wang out, dude. I don't know. So, um, I just, I remember watching them and, like, writing. I was like, wow, Psycho 2 was so good. I can't wait to see what happens next. Because they, you know, he started up the motel again and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching Psycho 3, man, and I was like, this might be one of my favorite franchises ever. Like, if it's this good, three in a row, Mm -hmm. like, this shit is great. Yeah, man. And then I got to part four, Mm -hmm. and I guess that's why I'm, like, weird about that, because, you know, I didn't have a cynical view. Right. And I'm not saying that just because I started doing these shows that, like, I just view everything, like, very negatively, like, what is this? What is that? Why Mm -hmm. is he doing that? Like, I don't do that shit. You must know that by now. Right. But, um, I guess hearing the logic of you two, it really does, like, wake me up to the fact that it's really not good. Yep, but, hey, I just didn't notice it, though. Yeah, but that's because you like the series so much, and like we said before, no guilty pleasures around here, man. If you like that shit, you know, it's like, fuck it. And we, even if you know it's bad now, it's like, you can't take away the fucking good feelings you got when you saw it before and shit. This was the, Cycle 4 was the first one I ever saw. <laughs> exactly, you know, need I go. Yeah, what was that like, though? When you first saw it, tell the truth. Did you know it was bad when you first saw it, though? I didn't know. I thought it was it was a good movie. I didn't know. I thought it was weird when he was rolling around with that. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? But, um, <laughs> you know, going back, looking at it and everything, it's like, clearly, it's the worst. Not the... I, I hate to... Eat. No, it, it, no, of the four, it is, obviously. It is. It is. I, I don't like to fucking degrade movies to that because I think all movies are fucking great to be perfectly honest with you. Well, you know. <laughs> well, I, now we're talking in 2013. There's a good majority of movies that I think are good and I would never degrade them to, to say anything like, oh, you know, these people should fucking, you know, quit their jobs or anything like that. Like, no, man, they're, they're good flicks and um, my personal taste doesn't exactly adhere to that or Vice versa, or however the fuck you say that, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So, Jamie, what do you think overall? Like, uh, you, you know, you said you don't really think of Psycho as a horror franchise, and well, I mean, I do. No, I do consider them horror. I just, you know, they always evade me when I'm thinking of horror franchises. You know, I just right. don't. But will they again? No, I think now I probably will consider them. So, you know, the big thing, of course, coming up is the year show. We've been at this for one year, April 2nd. Wow. Jamie, you have been with us in spirit. Jamie, wow. I never thought a year later that we'd still be here, but we have not been fired yet. And, you know, I posted something on Facebook, guys. If you guys are listening to this, fucking leave voicemails, dude. You know, this is the year show. Tell us what you think. Tell us fucking how you feel about it. You know, favorite moments. Anything, dude. You know, this we're trying to celebrate here. It's fucking a celebration, bitches. Yeah, we want you all to be a part of it. I know a lot of people are shy. They're not probably not going to do it. They're shy or they just... I've talked to a lot of people. That's what I'm saying, man. So, yeah, man, leave a voicemail, dude. We'll fucking rock them all. 
it's gonna be a party atmosphere dude i know i can speak for myself and my other co-hosts here we're all gonna get shit faced for this show man we just want to celebrate everything so everybody we yeah, and we want everybody there with us exactly man that's all it is bro so you know we we try not to um we've been trying to incorporate people but it's it's kind of been tough in a sense because we got so much shit to do so now is your chance man fucking you know hit that number up and um it's gonna come out good man it's good shit to leave a voicemail guys it's 908-854-4500 now get a pen get a pen get a pen ready one more time. Let's All right, go. Alex, do it again. You got a pen? All right. Do Yo, the skeleton crew voicemail is 908-854-4500. You better leave a message. Be my hero. Yeah. So there you go. So we hope you enjoyed the psycho retrospective. I know we all did. It was a really great time. Really good stuff. Thank you, Norman Bates, Anthony Perkins. You are the man, and uh, you can never be replaced. Although, uh, we'll have to get a body double for my Psycho 5, and uh, no, it's never going to be made, is it? Uh, hey, I'll read it. If it's as, half as good as your Friday the 13th one, I'm down. Thanks, man. No problem, man. I just gave a thumbs up to my microphone. Nobody saw it, but it was funny to me. I did that too, actually. Isn't that weird? Wow, creepy. Jamie? Yes? You did an excellent job. <laughs> did you ever think that you would fit into this gaggle of ass wipes? Uh, yes, sadly. <laughs> sadly, I knew it. <laughs> gaggle of ass wipes. That is classic. <laughs> <laughs> when you listen to us for all those months, <laughs> did you go, you know what? These guys are a little weird. But I could do this. Yeah, no, I wanted to be there. And now that you're here, what do you think? I, I want to be away. <laughs> yeah, oh, the grass is always greener, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, and the shackles are always looser in someone else's dungeon. Um, I'm here, bitch. <laughs> no, I. Um, no, I'm happy. I'm very good. happy. That's good. That's great. I'm drunk. I'm drunk. I know. <laughs> we love you, Duke. Great character. Little strange. You're a strange guy. <laughs> but we love you. Go home, Alex. You're drunk. <laughs> Marion Crane, you have a lot of issues, but yeah, you, you, you came out on top, but you just didn't mean it. I guess it didn't mean anything, really, in the end. And uh, for you, uh, that hydrocephalic head bitch in, <laughs> in the bank, pop another pill, sweetie, because you're going to need it. <laughs> pop another pop another tranquilizer. Yeah, I think when you wake up tomorrow, there will be a mirror in front of you, so you're going to need that. <laughs> and uh, for Arbogast... Arbogast. Arbogast. I, do, I take back what I said. I watched you fall down the stairs last night, and it was all right. It was all right, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Good job falling down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, you didn't fall with every step, but you fell all right. And Maureen, you didn't do it as well. And for part four... <laughs> There's nothing about you that's really that cool. <laughs> go home, part four. You're drunk. <laughs> Just go home. Good night, Norman. No. No. Norman will always live on, and it'll live on in the Bates Motel A&E TV series. Everybody watch that. We're going to be reviewing that every show. Oh, it's so fucking good. Unless there's a special, like this retrospective, we will review that in every show. So yes, look sir. To it. 
And that's the end. So this is Alex, Dan, and Jamie. <laughs> Smooth. Isn't that nice. so? Is that the coolest, corniest at exit? You know what's funny about that, Alex? What? We've Him whispering the- in the background, the cues. <laughs> that was that was cl- no. That's actually new. But um, <laughs> you know what's funny about that? We're we're in the upper forties show, whatever. We have yet to get that right. <laughs> you believe that? How many times? This is Alex. You would think that you would say this is Dan like immediately after that. We're going to make don't. a promise to all the listeners. By the hundredth show, we will get this right. Yeah, and then we're done. I don't know if we'll all be here by then, but until the hundredth show. Okay, guys. So remember, everyone, grab cabin one. Okay, let's get out of here. <laughs> all right. Well, you'll figure Bye, it. everyone. <laughs> See ya. Peace.